passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. That is not going to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir, may I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock's advice. Shut your mouth. What you want. What you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. Jabroni beating, pie eating, trailblazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whips your ass. Brothers and sisters, coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7, I am the Godfather Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, your favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this month, 2015's Fast and Furious 7. Someone just double-tapped our drone. What? Hey, did you bring the cavalry? Woman, I am the cavalry. Of course you are. Who is that? That's Hobbs. All right. And, and see, I'm, I'm so excited. Not only because... That was a great clip to get us set up for a great episode. But this is the first episode of a new year. And if you're listening to this 10 years in the future, uh, it's not going to mean anything to you because New Year's come and New Year's go. But this this new year, there's there's a lot of promise going on. So I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited to talk about what I feel will be like a feel good movie that will not have me feeling any sad emotions whatsoever. but since every Cisco needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs a Twan, I have two special guests to help me review this film. And I'm not even going to bother with all the rigmarole of the introduction because y- y'all know what it is. It's a Fast and Furious flick, and you know what that means. 
the Joes are back from <laughs> too fast to forever. Joey Lewandowski and Joe Two, welcome back to the show, boys. Hello, Nate. It is a pleasure to be back. It's always a pleasure to be here, brother, and always good to hear from you, man. Yes, I, I'm excited for this. As a matter of fact, like I pushed. That's how much I wanted this episode to to be a good a good time, fellas. Because you know, pulling back the curtains, full disclosure, uh, we were supposed to do this episode in December of 2020. Yeah, and uh, we we had some conversations behind the scenes. I was like, you know what, guys. I really would rather wait and save this episode till January because uh, at that time I think we were still kind of unsure about what was going on in the, in the state in the sure. state of the world in terms of America's political positioning, if you will. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just wait to make sure we're not involved in any world wars or <laughs> aliens haven't come down or or, or the the, the former president gained superpowers through an experiment or something let's just let's just wait and see what happens and so we were out of the woods we we've got a new president in matter of fact it happened a couple days ago at the time of this recording so i feel now fellas we can we can finally come on with with uh with a a a little bit more wind in our sails now and, and talk about this movie truly uh it has been a whirlwind of i guess four years really but um mm. Specifically, you know, the last, what, two and a half months, three months. So yeah, yeah. Boy, oh boy. But we are here. I do want to shout out very early. I want to thank you, which we've, we thank you before, but we have picked up a couple. I mean, I'm sure more people have been who have written in, but we just got another email from another new listener who heard about us on this show for the first time. So shout out to Monica, perfectly named mm. for the Fast and Furious podcast, but she and our, another friend of ours, new friend of ours, uh, Renato have both started listening to our podcast because of our appearances on here. So, uh, yeah, thank you, know, you brother. We, we love this uh, cross cutting, you know, cross collaboration, however you want to call it, <laughs> uh, mutually beneficial. We love talking about these movies. We love The Rock. I know that we love having you on our show and just, sure. it's a big old happy, like, again, family is the word of the hour. And yeah. uh, just thank you to you and the entire post wrestling family for uh, putting us in more earbuds and ear holes and whatever. Ear holes. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother, because, again, like that was one of the conceits when I started the show. I wanted to have different guests on, not the usual guests, but just have different f- folks from different shows that either I know personally or that I enjoyed listening to. Uh, and, and you guys were in that latter category. I was like, huh, this is a really good podcast about one very specific thing. Maybe <laughs> very specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I should get them to come on to talk about that specific thing when it crosses over with the rock. And and it's been a it's been a, it's been a great uh, partnership here, gentlemen. And we still have so much more to go. At least two movies, if yeah. not, you know, who knows how many more times we will see lucas rebecca hobbs but you know yeah. we're here for it on, on both shows i would hope i mean we, we we're not even we haven't even started on the hobbs and shaw trilogy because you know they're getting, <laughs> they're getting at yeah. least two more of those things at least two more at least. i really wonder i think we've talked about this on our show but like i wonder if there will ever be a hobbs verse shaw because like this could be essentially mm. i think be subtitled to a certain extent hobbs verse shaw at least you know the first big fight in this movie is between the two of them but you know I feel like there's there's a history, there's a a lineage of like the and and then verse, and you know it's not like they're the best of friends. Like they have, they have gotten along now, but I could see a Hobbs verse Shaw, like a Hobbs and Shaw two Hobbs mm. and Shaw or something, right? So. so so in the tradition of Batman v Superman mm-hmm. or X, X versus Sever, yeah, <laughs> Alien Hobbs, versus Predator, Alien mm-hmm. versus Predators, uh, Hobbs v Shaw. That's yeah. the next. That's the next movie. I, I can feel that. I can feel that. 
It's like, I, I can how see did you, How did you know me mother's name was Martha? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we, we know her name's Queenie. Like, I, what are you talking about, Decker? We know your mom's name is not Martha. <laughs> Oh yeah, but this this series that that's how crazy this series is. Like we're only ten minutes into the show, and we're already off on like four separate but oh, equally gosh, yeah. equally entertaining tangents. So let's <laughs> let's try to get back on track here, boys, and sure. let let's talk about uh, you know because the the audience has heard you a couple times on this program, so we don't need to know about your backstory and your origins with the Rock. Uh, but but let's talk about this movie specifically before we get to some of our games and let's get kind of the elephant in the room out of the way off the front because this was the last movie of the fast and furious franchise that featured paul walker one of the original Mm -hmm. actors uh in in this in this franchise and so i guess like if you guys can kind of maybe take us back you know, a few years to when Fast 7 came out and maybe, like, even some things behind the scenes. Like, like what was kind of the the frame of mind once, you know, when Paul Walker passed and, like, oh, well, what are we going to... Once, you know, everybody was processing the death and the mourning and all of those things, all the human side of things, obviously, business has to take place at some point and they had to get this movie done. So what did you guys think about the decision to go forward with the film using, you know, his brothers and technology and all this stuff to bring Brian to the screen one last time. Joe? I I don't have any, like, okay, I remember hearing it came out, and it was, and when 7 came out, this was one that my friends and I were like, we must go see in theaters the day it comes out, right? Mm. Because we had been with Paul Walker from the beginning, and although I wasn't, like, seeing 5 or 6 in theaters, um, 7 was like, that. that felt, like, very monumental, right? Thinking it might almost be the last one. Because we don't know where it was going to go after that. So um, I had no problems with them using his brother and stuff like that. I felt like, you know, because it was in production and he died during production, that it only felt right to kind of close the movie up. And so we were like, okay, if this is the last one, you know, we should go see it. Night of release, things like that. And um, I felt like they did it really good when when I saw it in theaters. I mean, we, we all teared up and, you know got four plenty like we were just you know feeling it um so yeah i was i was happy with that but um what about you joey what do you think you know the first one i think i talked about this last time the first one i saw quote unquote live like the first one in theaters that i saw was six and i remember after paul died you know thanksgiving weekend or around thanksgiving that year that november and i was watching back the movies and like trying to find my favorite movies of the year i'm like i don't know if i'm able to watch six again because like it just it felt you know not mm. like i i hadn't had the history like joe and friends and a lot of people had had but like you know it was a major bummer like these movies that i kind of had just discovered and like this actor that i had known and had liked you know passed and i was like i don't know if i can watch these movies and i remember watching six that that fall like that december or whatever and being like yeah, this is this is tough like i don't know i don't know and so i'm i then go to i'm living in austin at the time and i'm at south by southwest and i see either south by or somebody tweets out hey we're doing a secret screening of furious seven tonight it's not the world premiere but it's like the second time this will ever be screened um and james wan's going to be there and they're like go to this movie theater go to the south lamar draft house and just go to the box office and get a ticket and so i get a ticket i you know wait online and I remember sitting in the back and like not really knowing, like kind of knowing, because it had been delayed so long, right? They were in the middle of production and people, you know, 
That's right. I don't there think, was production delays. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think anybody would have faulted them if they had said, you know, we're not going to make the movie. Like we thought about yeah. it, and like yeah. it just it doesn't feel right. And like I could just see them call and be like, you know, we we tried, we wanted to do a thing, but like we just can't do it without Paul. And so I wasn't sure what to make of it. But then you know, James Wan comes out, and the producer comes out, and they talk about like you know Paul and the delivery and the, or the delay and everything, and just like what they were hoping for, and you know, it's all. It's, it's it's heavy, it's emotional, and then they bring out Tyrese. And Tyrese, I was I just told a story on the recent podcast that we just did that I think is Tuesday's episode as it comes out. Uh, Tyrese talks to the crowd in a way that like makes everybody forget all the troubles in the world. Tyrese smooth talks the crowd in a way that is both sultry and seductive. And like I said on our show, he could have had sex with anyone in the audience that night. Like he just <laughs> was so smooth, like the smoothest dude I have ever seen that I was like, I, I lost all like fear and, and, you know, despair. and was just like, if this is still like, if Tyrese, who has been a friend of Paul's mm-hmm. since two can be like, you know, his charming bubbly self or whatever, like in the spite of this, like, I think this movie's going to be okay. And then I remember watching it that night and loving it. And then, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, I think that cast, you know, we we throw family around a lot on on these episodes where you two show up and and it works in front of this in front of the camera and behind the camera because I think remembering back to that time one of the things that I was kind of surprised by were exactly how close, you know, Tyrese and Paul and and Vin and Paul and everybody and Paul were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I was like if they're good with it then I'm good with it. I think the thing that even even this on this last viewing of seven that I think is a credit to uh, James Wan and, and the crew is that, yes, like intellectually, you know, Paul wasn't there for this whole thing, but it never really feels like Brian's gone. Like there's times where Brian's not in the scene, but it never really feels like, oh, yeah, Brian's totally not in this movie. Yeah, it feels, like, it feels like he's in the movie more. Like even when he's not on screen, you're still thinking about him, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do a good job of making sure that, like, emotionally, and they're holding it together too through the movie. You can see, yeah. like, they they do a good job of just like keeping it contained and like letting you into parts where they open up about him actually dying, like Paul Walker being gone mm. as opposed to just Brian being around. So I, li- I do like that a lot. If there's yeah, the I'm- moment, sorry, sorry. There's the moment on the beach at the yeah. end where they're yep. like talking about, you know, things are going to be different now. Like Roman's joking around. They're like, shut up. Can you just like enjoy this for a second? And like, you know, I have a complicated history with Roman as I've, ex- <laughs> as I've explained <laughs> over the last few dozen episodes of our show, like, I think the character has gotten worse. And I think, like, this is the last good movie or last, like, good performance. Although, mm. I don't know. It's up and down. Like, he's just become a caricature, right? But anyway, he's on the beach and he says the line, things are going to be different now. And then he kind of looks like he's, like, choking back tears. And I don't know what they're looking at. I don't know if they're looking at, yeah. you know, Paul Walker's brother. I don't know if they're just looking at Jordana Brewster. I don't know if they're looking at nobody over there. Right. But it, it feels like they captured... It could be great acting. I don't know that, you know, I love Tyrese. I don't know if he's the world's best actor, the world's best thespian, uh, to use a word that you have used on this podcast. But, like, I... I Did you not see the man in the birthday party scene? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Got a, little, got a couple of rockets under that dress, right? But, like, you can see, like, they captured in that moment, it feels like, like the actor Tyrese being like, oh, my friend is gone. Mm-hmm. Or, like, yeah, I'm like sure you're he, actually saying goodbye yeah. there. Yeah. I'm sure, like, he's thought that before and they've had conversations. Because it's been, you know, a year or whatever since, or six months or whatever since it happened. And, like, he's had right. lots of time to process. But it feels like in that moment, you're like, oh, 
he's going through a thing now. And I think yeah. there's an honesty there that is kind of rare in these movies. And I think the end of this is so beautifully done. And I think it's because of the bond and the family aspect and the fact that they've been together for, you know, 12, 13 years by this point since two, like from two to seven, it's like 13 years. Right. So like, yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. And I think to, to that point, the only, like, I think what makes seven such a good movie and, and a good fitting kind of send off for Paul Walker is yes, there are scenes you can read different things into, but it never really feels like they're talking about Paul instead of Brian until maybe the last 10 minutes of the movie. Fair. Yep. For most of the movie, you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. We know that's Paul Walker, but he's Brian and the people around him in this universe, that's Brian, right? He's not Paul. And I think we only get Paul at the very end of the movie. Yep. Where, yep. you know, him and Vin drive off in the separate ways and we get the, the, you know, credit on the screen, you know, for Paul, I think they do such a good job of kind of keeping the integrity, which is a strange word to say when talking about Fast and Furious. They keep the integrity of this movie throughout. And I think that that's a very difficult balancing act because it would have been so easy for these folks being so close to this actor to be like, yeah, like, let's make this a full on tribute. And I think like they did a really good job of paying service to the movie, but also, you know, paying homage to their friend. And even us as fans, like if they would have done a tribute movie, what would we have said about it? Nothing bad, right? Yeah. We'd have been like, oh, okay, like we get it. Paul Walker died, so like they made like a Paul Walker movie. Right. It happened to be a Fast and the Furious movie. Nobody would have faulted them. So yeah, you're right. It, they did a great job. That, and it's a hard balance. Like I don't know what else I would have done or how I could have done it better. So. So we we couldn't have done that any better than than the, the crew did on Fast and Furious Seven. But I know what we can do better, perhaps, than James Wan, and let's play these games, fellas. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The games. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible. Absolutely dreadful. Oh uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, so let's uh let's hop into the time warp. All right. So for those of you just joining the program, uh, maybe you weren't listening to podcasts all the last year because you didn't want to hear a certain. Uh, five letter word uh, and I'm just gonna leave it there but we don't have to, we don't have to say that name anymore we're free uh, uh, but but the time warp is the part of the show where we go back and look at what was going on in pop culture but specifically if I can say that right uh, specifically the music charts of the time and so fellas fast seven was released on April 3rd 2015 in the United States. Do you know what the number one song that week was? You know, I remembered we were going to play this game this afternoon, and I I was like, okay, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes. I have, I have no idea. I have, honestly have no idea. I'm going to guess what I think I probably guessed every episode. I'm going to guess Rihanna. Mm. That's always a good guess. Yes. It's never been right, though, because I've never won this game. But I've Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, 24. 15 yes is it like uh, we and i always guess gaga right like that's the other side of that 2015 was a weird like it's it, 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 she's still huge but like this is post 
This is like way past Fame Monster. Is it, is it fucking? Is it? Is this the easiest one ever? And is it just Wiz? Um, is this see, see you again? again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be amazing if it was see you again. Well, it's not. I'll give you. I'll give you a couple clues, folks. Okay. All right. So the first clue is this song was a huge hit in 2015, and on April 3rd, it was in the midst of a four month run Whoa. at number one. Whoa. Okay. So that's one clue. The second clue is. These Fast and Furious movies all take place in very memorable locations. Like when when you guys came on for Fast Five, we took a trip to to Rio de Janeiro yeah. in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, Fast Six, we we hopped across the pond and and went to England because this is London, baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So and 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 we'll talk in a second about where we go in Fast Seven. But your other clue is one part of the uh, creative force behind this song is from the country of the last Fast and Furious movie that we talked about, fellas. So it's from England. So it's a, it's a duo or a group or some is kind. Is it Despacito? Where... No, not Despacito. It's, 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 a, it's an affiliation. That, that's as far as I'll say. Despacito is too It's later because we, yeah, we, we were back. I remember that was the summer that like you and Matt came down and we went to breweries. And that was when I was back living in New Jersey again. So Okay. I, like I can, I can tell you why songs are wrong. I just can't. You <laughs> just can't tell you what songs are who's right. Brazilian. So who's Brazilian? No, no, no. London. Six was six was London. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Who's so four months at number one? That seems crazy. Yes. This this song was a monster hit, fellas. And is monster a clue? No, it is <laughs> <laughs> not a clue. Um, from England. Is it a is it a duo, a group, or just a solo? Is it like artist? One Direction? No, no not One Direction. It's, it's, it's an affiliation, not an official group, but they are affiliated. Okay, fascinating. Hmm. Do people like do other guests get these right? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, some years, some years, I think it's really easy, uh, but then others like this. I wouldn't have known this if if I were being asked the question without doing the research. So I okay. I, I don't okay. fault you for not knowing, but I feel like as soon as I tell you, you're going to be like, of course, that's exactly what it is. So an affiliation, one of them is from London or from England, mm. not an official group, but group like perhaps. Yep. At a four month run at number one. <sighs> not an official group, but like. Can you give us like- a genre? Uh, I guess pop. Okay. I mean, I guess it's probably always pop or rap. I would yeah, guess. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's not really rock. Help. It's certainly not rock. But yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess pop would be the way to go. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm fixating on the affiliation. That, that's like throwing me for a loop. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have any more hints that you can give? Because I'm stumped. That's, that's, I think that's as much as I can give you okay. without revealing the, the artist. I'm thinking maybe, no, that wasn't on the top for four months. I, I think like, <laughs> You're going Macklemore again? <laughs> no, not Macklemore. Kanye West, when he did like the song with, um, with Paul McCartney. Oh, yeah. Uh, was that four or five seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, was thinking. That, yeah, that was that. Rihanna, too. Like, it was McCartney, Rihanna, and Kanye. Yeah, that's what I'm. That yeah. is the right era, though. I know that. Yeah, that's like the right year. There's an English guy. It's not a duo. But that was that a weird, just a weird pairing, a weird grouping. Yeah, I'm gonna see. Hold on, before we before we reveal, 
can I see this? Yeah, I can. Okay, here we go. What was I listening to in 2015? Do I oh, have... Spotify. <laughs> I'm going on my last FM. Ah. Because this predated Spotify for me. Artists. Mm. Who were my tops in 2015? Grimes. I can tell you it's not Grimes. Not Grimes. It's not Churches. The New Radicals. <laughs> um, is it? It's not Run the Jewels, right? Ooh, that's, that's a great guess, though. No, but they wouldn't be top for four no, months. No, not four yeah. months. No, yeah, I'm just thinking because, like, but they are, they're also not an affiliation. They're actually just a. I don't know, man. What is I it? Am, Your final guess? I got nothing. Pop. Ooh, no, I got nothing. I feel dumb. I got nothing. <sighs> All right, fellas. Uh, you're going to kick yourselves when you hear it. Because, it, again, like, it's not super easy, but once you hear it, you'll be like, okay, yeah, that's it. Uh, but before before I reveal the answer, guys, I just want to say stop. Wait a minute. Somebody fill my cup, put some liquor in it. Oh, Take a sip, sign a check. Julio, get the stretch. <laughs> uh, the number one song in America was Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars. Okay. Uptown Funk. Uh, okay. So while you were saying that, I thought it was Blurred Lines for a second. I'm like, this isn't Blurred Lines. No. <laughs> yeah, that, that was like, I forgot like how big a hit that was. Was that, was that um, Unorthodox Jukebox? Because that whole album is really great, actually. I think it might have been, but it, it might have also just been on Ronson. Because Ronson came out with a project with Bruno. He did that song with Mystical. Feels good. Like, okay. Ronson was just on, on this weird kick of just... Interesting collaborations that year. Yeah, weird. And that, no, like that, but Uptown Funk was a fucking bang. Like that was a huge hit and yeah, everywhere like, for four months. Yeah, so big grand. Like people's grandmothers were singing that song. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Every- no, it's on. It's on Mark Ronson's album Uptown Special. Uh, ah, okay, okay. Yeah, yep. Because yeah, then he had uh, Feels Good with Mystical, which was just random. And they yes. performed. They performed it on Ellen, which was even more random. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Mystical was on Ellen. Mystical was on Ellen. So, so like people's grandmas saw Mystical. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, probably not the worst thing that's ever happened at Ellen, but we're, we're not going to go there. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had that conversation with my mother. Oh, but I thought you said you weren't going to say the, the five-letter word that we weren't supposed to say from last year. Uh, Ellen. Are you allowed to say Ellen? I broke my own rule, yeah. Damn. <laughs> the one monster we all survived in 2020 was Ellen. <laughs> Some people apparently did, by the way. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, so, fellas, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> Uptown Funk was the number one song of uh, that was, that was some really good guesses, though. But let's go to the other part of our game, the budget game. And this, mm. this, is, this okay. is always fun with Fast and Furious because you know they made money. Uh, unlike some of the other rock films I've done, particularly the earlier ones where they don't make any profit or they only make a dollar. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, the Fast films make bank. So just to give you guys a little, uh, little framework, a little, you know, reference point here, Fast 6. Had a budget of 160 million. We talked about this last time. Worldwide, they made 789 million. So 789 on a budget of 160. All right. So let's go to Fast Seven. We we upped the budget a little bit. We raised the budget from 160 to 190 million. Gentlemen, can you guess? what the worldwide box office was for Fast and Furious 7. I think this is the first one to hit a billion. I think it was a billion because Paul Walker died. I think that's what it is. Billion would it be? I am glad that I was going to guess, if we were guessing the budget, I was going to say 2 to 225. So I feel like that 190 is like right in that spot. Ah, I'm I'm trying I'm I'm there's an internal debate right now. I'm debating whether or not it ever actually hit a billion. Or it was like nine seventy and they just called mm. it a bill. Last one, what'd you say made seven seven ninety? Seven eighty nine. Seven eighty nine. Seven ninety. Um I'm gonna say eight sixty. Okay. Eight sixty. And where'd you go, Joe? Um, I went even bill. Just give me an even bill. Like, okay, like even bill? Okay. 1,002 or something. To make okay, Joe, Joe 2 is not trying to do math. Just an even bill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then 2 million on top of that. Just just, yes, to just, just, just a little sprinkle, a little razzle dazzle. That's what I did. Yeah, just, just like some flavor on the top. <laughs> uh, okay, so again, the budget was $190 million, uh, And we know Fast 6 made $789. 90 you know where somewhere in that range but Mm -hmm. when you're when you're you know who's counting when you get up to those numbers fast and furious seven fellas on a budget of 190 million dollars made 1.5 billion dollars worldwide yeah wow okay okay the millions I remember the Paul dying thing. That's why I thought it was like the first one to hit a bill. I didn't know it was 1.5 though. That's insane. Like all of these movies make bank, but yeah. this is ridiculous. Cause what we have found when we were doing like the Spider-Man movies that you joined us for, remember they were like kept raising the budget and they kept making less money. It's like, yep. I thought, I thought it was maybe one of those. Like, I mean, this <laughs> is obviously a better movie than Spider-Man 3, but like just because you raise the budget doesn't always mean that more people are going to see it. Like that's, I think the hope, but like, doesn't always work like that, but it, it worked for these guys. So I am, uh, I'm glad. That's well, Paul Walker dying too, man. That was yeah. like, uh, yeah. Well, right, at, we're at the time, we're gonna kill was... to make the next billion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, at the time, this was uh, in the top five of highest grossing movies of all time. It's crazy. It's, okay, since been supplanted, but like it's still 
up there. And so, yeah, I think there's a couple factors. And we can start to talk about the movie now, fellas. When when you talk about that box office, that reception, and one, obviously, Joe, is the death of Paul Walker and that kind of yeah. curiosity slash respect factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that goes into there. I think the other thing that you have is we left Fast Six off with the hook of Jason Statham. You're right. Yeah, 100%. So now we're bringing Statham in here, and we've got The Rock in here. Uh, funny story, The Rock almost didn't make it in this movie. What movie was he like shooting it. at the same time? It feels like it. Yeah, like there's a reason he was out. He was absent for a lot of this, I think, and it's because he was shooting Hercules, okay. which, he, which we've reviewed on this program before. He was shooting Hercules at the time. Yeah, that makes sense because he he just bookends the film. Yes. When I was watching it this time, you know, specifically to come on here, so I'm like watching it through the lens of like just watching for The Rock. I'm like, I forget how little The Rock is actually in Seven. Like, he's not at a very crucial point of this movie. Well, no, No. he's at the crucial point. He's just not in the middle, like. He is not a crucial point. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, he is the cavalry. We know that he is. Yeah. The cavalry. <laughs> I mean, he's got one of the best scenes in the whole franchise. Oh, I agree. But uh, I'm just saying, yeah. The, there's like many great rock scenes in this, but like every time I'm watching, I'm like, damn, he's really not in this movie that much. So yeah, he was doing Hercules. That makes more sense. Yep. So uh, Fast and Furious Seven, uh, the follow up to Fast and Furious Six. We got a, a new director at the helm, uh, as I th- I think it was Joey that mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Wan is now taking over. And so I guess most people would know James Wan from like, you know, it's kind of horror films or thrillers. Uh, what do you make of James Wan as a director in terms of a fit for a Fast and Furious film? You know, there is one sequence in here that I think might be the coolest. I have a weird relationship with cars. I don't actually like cars. People know yeah. that I think by now. <laughs> but I think that there is a very cool, maybe the coolest car sequence in any movie is after the funeral when Dom chases after Deckard mm. and they have the engine sounds ramped way up and there's no music, there's no scoring and you just hear the engines. I'm like, this is really cool. It's a very and classic car movie. I think we that watching. is a really nice touch. It is a classic car movie thing. Um, you know, I think Justin Lin rightfully so gets a lot of praise for kind of establishing the visual language of, this, of the franchise by doing three to six and coming back for nine. But like, mm. James Wan did stuff here that works and like he's more than just the conjuring, right? So yeah. you know, they, they they found a good one in James Wan. And he had a I, I see what you did there. Uh he had a tough task too. You know, we we we, we talked about the delay because of the passing, because of the death of Paul Walker. Yeah. Like this That's like, a I, I imagine like this this weird mix of emotions. Like on the one hand, like this is awesome. I get to play in this playground with these characters in this billion-dollar franchise. But, oh, yes, also one of my stars dies midway through. Yeah, it has to be hard, man. Like, and, like, then the whole emotional tone of the cast changes, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. like to give him props just for being a leader enough to get through it. Because, like, I'm sure that none of those guys really wanted to, like, nobody was excited to finish this movie on set, I can imagine. Just mm. a guest. Like, if one of your friends died in, like, the middle of you doing something, you'd be like, do we still have to keep doing this? Like, yeah, come on, man. So, yeah, huge props for that, at least. So this is a this this there's a lot to get into with this one. Like, I feel like and and maybe we'll talk about it later on in the review, fellas. But I feel like there's a case to be made that this could have either been two films or, you know, maybe we cut out one of the side plots and stick it on somewhere else. Uh 
we, so I, I, for for each of these movies that we're getting to in the back half of the franchise, it feels like they all could be either two or three. Like Furious, Fast and Furious Six, I think we talked about last time was meant to be two different films. Mm-hmm. They combined this to one. This feels kind of like a chaotic blending of a few different things. Like they've said, they've come out and said that like nothing changed after Paul died, but that feels like PR. Like there's no way that like you're able to tell the same exact story when like your your lead actor right. probably wasn't on set for half the time, right? Like yeah. I, I you could probably tell like a facsimile of the story or get somewhere somewhere close to it, but like I don't know what this movie was meant to be. We had uh, a guest come on our show, uh Kate Hudson, not the Kate Hudson, but our Kate Hudson. I was going to say like you guys are big time now. I know, right? But she kind of broke our brains about thinking that some of the baby stuff in eight, which we will get to eventually in the show was maybe meant for Paul and Mia, like Brian and Mia. But then, you know, mm. you can't really do a Paul thing because Paul's gone. You know, it's, it's hard. I think in retrospect to figure out what this was originally going to be, especially when everyone's like, no, this is, this is the movie we always wanted to make. Right. Uh and so, like, let's start. Let's start at the beginning. We're not going to go scene by scene, but let's just kind of lay out the framework for everybody. So we're we're following the the events of Fast Six, which saw the family uh, kind of low. Like, I, I guess they they were kind of in their uh, they were kind of feeling like the rebels at the end of Empire. Yeah, where you know, yeah, we we kind of made it through the day, but at what cost? Because uh, Giselle's gone. And then yeah. uh, in the post credit scenes, we find out, you know, going back to Tokyo Drift, that Shaw is the one who has killed Han, murdered mm-hmm. the man in cold blood on the streets of Tokyo. And so this movie takes us back there because uh, we, we start, uh, where do we start? We start at the Toretto house, correct? Well, we start in the hospital. Oh, yeah, with Hobbs. That's I'm sorry, right. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, we start, yep. Yep, yeah, because you're right. The Rock does kind of book in this thing. Yep. Because yeah, we get uh, Shaw, uh, you know, just looking for revenge for his brother, and that leads him to our our favorite federal agent, the DSS agent with a stamp gun or stamper or whatever. Like, <laughs> question for you: Has he ever used a stamper in another movie to date, or is this the first instance of a stamper on the Rocky Maivia picture show? I think this might be the first, and certainly the most impactful. Use of a stamper. Yeah, I feel like, like nobody feel stamps like, like Dwayne have, Johnson. He should have that in like every movie that he does, man. Because <laughs> it's just like so aggressive for something yeah. so plain. Something it's awesome. so mundane. Yeah, it's so awesome. So that, that should be like his, you know, instead of the people's eyebrow, you know, it should be like just, I'm going to hit a stapler real hard or <laughs> <laughs> just things that can be done with minimal force that you use excessive force for. Yeah. I want to see him like staple papers, but with like like a carpet like staple gun. You know what I mean? Like a really big one. Like he just uses that instead, mm. like just shredding paper. Okay. So, sorry. so the reason uh Shaw and this is uh Deckard Shaw, uh, because we had Owen Shaw and six. So this Deckard Shaw, Jason Statham. It took us like five or six laps. Like it took a long time for us to figure out who was who. But you are yes. correct. It's yeah. like. Who's who's good, Sean? Who's bad, Sean? Like there's obviously there's obviously a son that uh, Queenie loves more than the other, and it's Decker. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and and so the reason he's at the DSS is to get information about the family. And there's a big fight with Hobbs and Hobbs again. This is a movie 
like I feel, feel like we've been on this path steadily since five fellas where we're just morphing into street level Avengers. And then seven is the one where they're like, yeah, we're going for it full, full force. Yeah. Because our man Hobbs gets blown out of a window. Yes. Out of a building, out of a building onto the hood of his SUV. Yeah. And dents it. Saving not one, but saving two lives, both Alina and the unborn baby Brian. Yes. Yep. Saving two lives, dense. I think the dense, the dense, the hood of the SUV, or the roof of the SUV, Mm -hmm. and is still alive. Fine. He seems pretty, pretty minimal damage, to be honest. (laughs) Um. So yeah, that's that's how we open the movie. So that's that's how we open the movie. But uh, so now Deckard Shaw has information on the family, which takes us back, and he. Uh, and like, there's a lot of violence in the first few scenes of this movie. <laughs> a lot of bombs going on. Uh, like, yeah, like, uh, cause first we bombed the DSS building. Now we're bombing, uh, we bombed the, the hospital uh, to be hospital. Yeah. Hospital. Yeah. We bombed, bombed the hospital. Yeah. Bombed the DSS building. Now we're bombing the family's house. Yeah. Blowing up everything, man. So just kind of the first 10, 15 minutes of this film, like, what, what what are you guys thinking with all of this? Like, it, it feels like there's certainly a different, I wouldn't say like a completely radically different tone, but it does feel like, oh yeah, like we're not, we're not going to ease into this thing. We're, we're not playing around with this one. I think, I, go ahead, Jeff. No, I feel like they're trying to up the ante on six and in six when we get a tank and stuff like that. Mm. And also knowing that people are going into this emotionally kind of tired that if you started off with like three big explosion scenes, you're going to get them into the Fast and Furious mood and kind of distract them from the Paul Walker mood. So yeah. I think it, it was a conscious play to just start it off like this. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's very effective because like, yeah. Yeah, you, you can't just be sitting down just, uh, oh, whatever, ho-hum. Like, no, you're you're invested uh, by this point. And so uh, the, they, they find out that the person that bombed the Toretto home, uh, it was uh, – the, the package was from Tokyo. Yeah. Which leads down to Tokyo and maybe <laughs> maybe the greatest scene in the history of the Fast and Furious universe, Joey. <laughs> because, if like, here's the thing. I can buy Dwayne Johnson being blown out of a 15-story <laughs> building, sure. landing onto an SUV, mm-hmm. yeah. d- denting the roof, and saving a mother and her unborn child. I can I can buy that in reality. Yeah, yeah. What I what I cannot buy, Joey. What is a bridge too far for me, for my suspension of disbelief, <laughs> is James Wan had the audacity, <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm not saying it's wrong because I I love this scene, the, the the transition, but the audacity to show us a scene from Tokyo Drift, the final scene. Yeah. Well, we've got our, our man. What's his, what's his name? We got Lucas Black. We got Sean Boswell. Is the is the character's name? Ah, Sean. Yeah, because I keep yeah, calling yeah, him yeah. Lucas Black. So we got Sean winning the race, and he meets up with Dom. So Sean, yeah. in the footage that we see, is youthful and vibrant, Joe. Well, well, well let's not say that, because he is still a 30-year-old high school student. Let's well, yeah, yes, yes. what Tokyo Drift is actually about. But yeah, like, relatively speaking, absolutely. Do relatively not speaking, yes. He's a, yeah, in, in the world of Tokyo Drift, he's a 30-year-old high school student. So, sure. you know, youthful. it's like, he's, he's youthful. He's he's on, he's on that Jason Priestley track, uh, but then when when we turn the corner, 
Yeah. My man went from a 30-year-old youthful high school student to a 50-year-old <laughs> in the span of two seconds. He's got yeah. hair that looks like LeBron. Like, he pulled a LeBron. <laughs> he is already, like, he came out of high school a full-grown man, and now he's like, oh, that's that's not what a 35-year-old's hairline generally looks like. Okay. No. Yeah, okay. No. Uh, like, Ben Diesel looks more like himself than, than Sean Boswell. Yeah, it's it's rough, man. That's always a really fun one to pay attention. Like, only because they use the scenes from the last one. Like, even if they could have just reshot them with an yes. old Sean, yes, you like your brain wouldn't have this weird. Bring back thing. older Bow Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that to like just throw us a little bit. But no, they use the the actual <laughs> scenes from Tokyo Drift and then just plop us in a Sean that's now twelve years older and definitely looks it. Yeah, just it's been a it's been a rough three minutes. Yeah, coming around that corner. Being well, <laughs> DK takes literal years off your life. Like Takashi was like a twelve year old when he hit DK, and now look at him. He's you know <laughs> getting shaped out of Tokyo as like a, a wanted felon. Yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah, we get we get Lucas Black here. Just I, I don't know I don't know what what Han told me to give you this down. <laughs> I'm gonna go soak. I'm gonna go soak my feet in some Epsom salts now. <laughs> Check on his retirement. <laughs> I've got, got to pick up my pension on the way home. Yeah. Oh, poor, poor Lucas Black. Who's, who is back in nine, by the way. So here's the, here's the question then, because at the time I remember of seven, the rumor was that he was, like, joining the team, but he was only really? in that one scene. Interesting. I don't remember the rumor of him, like, rejoining the team. I guess it would make sense. Yeah, like, I guess uh, like, well, they're like people were. I guess they were saying he would be the replacement for Paul Walker. Like we just swap in. <laughs> they tried that once already. It didn't yeah. work. Bama boy did not work. <laughs> no, you just can't. Did. You just can't swap in just some regular random white dude and tell me that's Paul Walker. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's not going to work. He's not pretty enough. Come on, I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> is is Paul Walker older than Luke, or was Paul Walker older than Lucas Black? I think so. That's a very good question. I will find out. Lucas Black, born in 1982. Oh, yeah. Paul Walker's born in the 70s. Wow. So, yeah. So, 82 versus 73. He's almost 10 years older, believe it or not. Wow. And looks 10 years younger. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Sure. Oh, God bless you, Paul Walker. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Lucas Black. (laughs) Oh, but, okay. So, yeah, we we have, uh, the other thing we do in Tokyo is we have uh, Han's funeral, which, which was, it was nice, but it was also kind of weird. In a There's movie so many where... weird funerals in this movie, yes. knowing that Paul Walker died. Like, we go to Letty's grave at the beginning, then we yep. have Han's funeral. It's like, can we... They, they should have... She should have backed up on the whole death in the movie type situation. Yeah. Like, when, when Roman says, no more funerals, Brian, to an actor who is no longer living, it's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, I don't know, mm. man. It feels strange. So... D- do we know how much of this was shot before and how much was shot after? You know, we have not – we got nothing but time over on the podcast. We have not really dug too deep into this. I don't know – I get the impression that, like, they were closer probably to the end than the beginning, but it feels like there was a lot more – like, there was still a lot to do. And a mm. lot of Brian to do. Yeah. Yeah, because, it, again, it's weird because Brian – 
Like he's in this movie, but he's not, he's maybe not as prominent as he was in past movies, but it never feels like Brian's not there. And maybe to your point earlier, Joe, it's because Paul is always kind of front of mind when you're watching this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it, but there's definitely a lot of scenes. Like we talk about like the phone conversation that he has with Mia. If you actually just watch that scene, they're not talking anywhere close to about the same thing. Hmm. Like, when you get that shot of, like, him, like, Mia calling him, like, he's just talking, like, in random generalities that they had from some other movie or, like, a completely different scene. And she's saying, like, heavy shit, like, you know, you need to just make sure you come back. And he's like, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I, I was thinking today while I was watching it because he says, he says something. She says, don't do that. The way you said that, it's like, goodbye, say something else. And he says, kiss Jack for me. And, like, I'm thinking, like, that's not really better. Like, no. <laughs> like that's usually saying like say goodbye to Jack for me. It's like, well, no, like wait, like, stop, stop it. Like I got, I have, I have this vision for that scene where Mia's like, no, that's not like say something else. Like they keep having to burn through like pre-recorded like whatever they have. Like Joe, like right. what you're saying, like we're just like, no, like that's all like platitudes or like you're yeah. going to die. Like it's it's tough. Just generalities. It's like just yeah. weird generalities, and I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Don't know. So. This movie, again, is all about raising stakes because we, you know, not only do we we get that scene that uh, Joey mentioned earlier where Dom takes off because uh, Shaw is is very disrespectful and just rides up to the funeral in, in, his, in his hot rod here. And uh, Dom immediately knows who it is and chases him. Yeah, which is and- great. I like the chase through the L.A. like Joey was saying. Like, Also, that's like just a great shot of scenery like mm-hmm. of L.A., and I can't wait till we get to that when we do – like we break the movies down minute by minute. And when we get to that minute, I was like, oh, there's like crossroad signs here. Like we can figure out exactly where this is. So, so that was pretty cool. I just realized, and I'm going to add a spoiler warning here for listeners of yours who maybe have not seen the F9 trailer. So if you don't want to hear a spoiler for F9, skip forward a little bit. But we know from 4 – that Dom kind of lurks on Letty's funeral, but we find out later that obviously Letty is not dead, right? That mm-hmm. he's like watching from across the street or whatever, doesn't show up, their surprise doesn't show up. Here, we're at Han's funeral. We know that Han's not actually dead. So like how many empty caskets are buried mm. in this goddamn graveyard? Like, is this just, a, is this a few friends of them that are literally like <laughs> related just, to them? It's like, you know, it's just, it's all headstones with nobody underground. Yeah, damn. They should they should do some like you know X ray check it out. Ground. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, just that's... a waste of money. How how much does yeah. the headstone space cost in LA? I'm sure it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. No. Yeah, that's like prime real estate there. I mean, you're... to be fair though, they did have all that money from Brazil. Okay, <laughs> true, fair. true, true. Yeah, they they might own the whole fucking cemetery. He, they, he might be taking a cut from the burials in the cemetery. <laughs> and then they, you were telling us that the characters did hire you to do their financials, right? So, like, you were giving them sound investment <laughs> advice. Of course, of course. So, oh, I yeah. so they're good. So, they're in good shape. As long as I get my cut, we're good. <laughs> Amen. We can um, all be here. So we're in L.A. We're at Han's funeral. Did we get that chase scene? And that leads us to San Diego. Which leads us to, or actually, that leads us to uh, a tunnel fight, which leads us to San Diego, which brings us Mr. Nobody. Sure. Mr. Nobody, of course, is Kurt Russell, because why not? Yeah, you got the budget. Just fucking do it. So what what do we think of uh, Kurt Russell in this world? I, I thought, yeah, like, it's a great 
it's a great fit for for the actor. Like I feel like Kurt Russell is the right appropriate age, and still like he yep. still got some of that Kurt Russellness to him. Yep. But he's certainly an elder statesman at this point. But I, I felt it was a, it was a great casting choice. We love it. We were trying to figure out like who else we could put in the movies like this, and we were trying to get like um like fuck, what's his name, Han Solo. Oh, we were, we were trying to figure out, like, on a, on a grander scale, not just who to get in the movies, but like, if as these movies go along, they're more about family than ever, and the Toretto family specifically. Like, we feel like even if he is dead, which Dom says he is dead, but like, we finally, we we probably need to know who Dom's father is. And we were we were talking mm. about when we watched uh, American Graffiti, we're like, what if Bob Fett, um, the Han Solo, not Bob, no, no, what's his name, Bob. Falfa? I'm confusing Falfa. Bob Falfa. Yes, Bob Falfa. What if Bob Fett is the guy that George Lucas went to high school with that he hated and named <laughs> Boba Fett and then Boba Fett became like popular and he's like, God damn it. Um, but we were like, what if Bob Falfa was Dom's dad? Like what if like mm. Harrison Ford, not just Harrison Ford, but that specific Harrison Ford character was actually also Papa Toretto. So like it could, it could happen. That's and that's how I feel about the Kurt Russell vibe. Like th- he's a great person, like a great actor to add. That's like a big name actor that's a little bit older that doesn't want to steal like a like a leading role from yeah. the movie, but just sprinkles in a nice cameo. In the same sense that like when we get to Hobbs and Shaw and you have Kevin Hart, like Kevin Hart is like a nice mm-hmm. like you know sprinkle. He's like a nice seasoning on a movie, right? And Kurt Russell feels the same way here. So, like, I love that they added Kurt Russell. I think, like, a lot of those expendable guys could be good in, in sort of a nobody role. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like I think, uh, guy. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think, like, uh, Wesley Snipes would be really fun. Yep. As a yep. Mr. Nobody. Uh, I even think, and maybe, you, again, recency bias uh, coming off of uh, the tweet that the governor sent out a few weeks ago. Uh, like, I think Schwarzenegger would be fun in one of these movies. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like he might be just a hair too big. Just a little too big? Just a little too big that you'd be like, damn, because he hasn't done movies. Yeah. Lately, so it'd be like, oh, Schwarzenegger. And the ones he's back. done, nobody's seen. Yeah, it would be like, you know, it would be too much of an event of like him doing a movie again, mm. is what I'm thinking. But that's just my personal perception. But yeah, it, along these vibes. Oh, yeah, because then you'd have Schwarzenegger, The Rock. Vin Diesel, maybe even John Cena. Like, that's that's way too much muscle for one movie. Yeah, the budget for food would be crazy, right? <laughs> Just we spent $90, $90 million in protein shakes. Yeah, and like, tla- like what, like some whatever they eat. Like Baked chicken. Yeah, <laughs> broiled chicken, yeah. Uh, so the Mr. Nobody reveal is important because it brings in our second plot. So we've got two plots here. We The first plot is, and they both kind of end up tying together, First plot is Deckard Shaw versus the family. The second plot is God's Eye. And uh, Joey, would you mind explaining to the audience what God's Eye is if they haven't seen the film? I would love, I thought you were going to ask like a more difficult question. I was going to say, I would love to, but I can't. Like, explain (laughs) the plots of these movies sometimes gets a little murky. But But basically, God's Eye is like ultimate GPS that you can locate anybody in the world using. It's basically, if people have not seen this movie, if they have seen The Dark Knight, it is the computer that Lucius and everybody makes for Mm. Batman. It's using every smartphone camera, every street camera, every ATM camera, every camera everywhere to find anybody you want at any point in the world, pinpointing their location and letting you find them. So it's, it's literally 
the God's eye view of the world, find who you want, where they, where they are, when they are, whatever. And the only person, I guess, that can operate this or knows the know-how with this is, is this hacker, gentlemen. Yes. Named Ramsey. Yeah. And so we have to save Ramsey. And then, you know, being the Fast and Furious, Ramsey just can't be a plain old average hacker out here on these streets. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Ramsey got to be the, the most beautiful hacker in, in, in the known world. And so uh, we get, we get, uh, Oh, I almost forgot the uh, the other villain in this movie who I feel like could be left out of this movie and the movie doesn't change is uh, Jamin Hansu. Mm-hmm. Like as uh, was it Jaconde? Mosey Jaconda. Mosey Jaconda. Yeah. Like I I feel like I don't know which which is a more and and I hate to say it this way because uh, I know that's not what the film intended but I don't know which role is kind of a bigger waste of. Jimon's talent was it this one or was it his role in uh in a uh, Marvel? Uh, yeah, well, I was thinking it was like a Batman versus Superman movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, I think it's mm, I think it's that one because at least this one, like, <sighs> like he has a cool death here, and I don't know if that's a good use of his talents, but like at least he has a memorable way to go out. <laughs> yes, right? he does. We couldn't even remember what movie he was in. Right, so like yeah. I don't think that that's kind of an underwhelming. Like, yeah, that's not a great thing. This at least has like, okay, yeah, all right. I mean, again, either way, not great. No. Yeah. Like, I, like and I think again, like I'm, I'm far be it from me to rewrite this billion dollar franchise, but how cool would it have been if we had held off on Mosey and we had brought him in during Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah. And we get we get maybe a Mosey Brixton team up. Oh, I like it. It's better than what we get here. That's for sure. Because yeah, I don't know. Like, and I've seen I've seen this movie literally dozens of times, guys. Yeah. Like, every time it comes on, I watch it. Does Shaw work for <laughs> Mosey or with Mosey or against Mosey? I think it's the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I think that's all there is to it. Mm. Yeah, they want like it's like the if we get the key, you get whatever else is in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Type situation that we see in a lot of these movies. They're like, I only want the one thing that you don't want in this package. <laughs> and it's like he wants God's eye and he wants yeah. Yeah. It's weird though. You're right. He's he's such a forgettable villain. Like he's definitely not the villain of this movie. If you're like no. if you're talking about the villain of this movie, it's fucking Shaw, right? Like that's all day. All day, and and then like you have him, and I, like every time I watch, him, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, he is trying to capture Ramsey for no reason. Well, I think that goes back to what Nate was saying earlier about this being possibly two movies, because you have the inherent like Shaw versus Toretto family, whatever. Like, what does family mean? What does getting vengeance for your family mean? Fair. And then yeah. there's also this thing that like kind of blends in, but it's like. He's such an afterthought that, like, the helicopter explodes, and it's like, okay, like, but the helicopter only explodes, like, basically to put Dom in jeopardy, right? Like, it, yeah, I, it, yes. it, it don't care. <laughs> even, even in Mosey's death, he's only there to serve the plot of Dominic Toretto. <laughs> yeah, 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 he is. Damn. Oh, but there are some cool scenes here. Like, like we're, we're going to fast forward a little bit, uh, because maybe my favorite scene in any of the Fast and Furious movies happens in Fast 7. Okay, what is it? And that's when we go to Abu Dhabi. 
Because we get this sequence. Okay, so they rescued Ramsey, uh, and immediately Taj and Roman both try to hit on her, uh, even though there's like there's uh, there's an obvious choice for Ramsey here. What is who? What is who? Who is it? It's 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 Taj all day. Like it's not Mr. Roman Pierce. Okay, yeah. Because they're like they they have similar interests. Yes, they're similar interests. Like I feel like, and then this is no shade on Roman, but but we know we we saw Roman at the birthday party. We know how this man acts. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Roman and, can't be held down by one woman. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. <laughs> uh, like the, he he's not going to have Ramsey on the plane talking about a buffet. That that's that's what I was thinking. That's the first place that my brain went. I was like, he already got a plane full of women. Like he's okay. Like yeah, he's Edge good. had one woman in a garage at one point. Like we're okay with that. Like that's fine. Ted gets one love interest every three films. Like it's yeah. not right. It's not. It's not bad. Uh, so we go to Abu Dhabi because they have to retrieve God's eye, which is located in a in a car. Yes. This is dumb. I don't like this. <laughs> this part is dumb. So let's let's walk it back for a second. So Ramsey has God's eye and she puts it in a million dollar, multi-million dollar car. And she gives this no, she car. She gives it to the, she gives it to her friend in yeah, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, she gives it to the guy with the, with the garage. She, okay. Okay. You know, this, then this is the question. So she gives just God's eye to the guy and the guy puts it in a car. <laughs> yes. And then sells the car. Yes. <laughs> Which is, what the fuck? Like, so I'm sorry. Like, what? Like, when somebody's like, hey, watch this for me. Hold this. They're like, cool, got it. You meant, like, take care of it, right? It's like, no, not take care of it. Like, just make sure it doesn't go away. <laughs> were, you just, were you just quoting um, fucking, what was it? The League? When he's like, take care of it. And, you know, like, oh, fuck, it's Jason Manzoukas. He's like, Rafi, no, I like, I, no, like, it's the same thing. Like, it's just like, how irresponsible. I mean, that guy has struck it like he's been a failed not power more that's too strong of a word but he's tried to woo ramsey she's had no interest rightfully so this guy is an idiot like he has one job ostensibly and he sells the thing and that what and that not only does he sell it but he sells it to like the most secure place in abu dhabi yeah which I guess is a good thing. If she, we don't know how she phrased it, but it's still dumb. If she was like, you know, make sure nobody else can ever get this, maybe that works. <laughs> but if it was like, hold this for me, you're like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, no, also, that's, like, just think about how much he's in love with her. Like, he'll carry a flame for a carry a torch, whatever the phrase is, right? Like, you know, he's teasing Roman and Tej when they're joking about like calling dibs and whatever, right? Like he loves like if Ramsey was like, hey, like let's do this. He's like, yeah, like he feels like absolutely like I'll drop whatever I'm we're doing this. So like, yeah, wouldn't you think that he would be the kind of guy who would want to not mess up anything? Be like, yeah. hey, let me just triple check. Like when you when you said like watch this, like, did you want me to sell it? <laughs> yeah. He would he would ask. I he put God's eye on eBay. Is that cool? Actually, I'm gonna look right now on eBay. Let's see if the, let's see if we can buy God's Eye. Hold on, <laughs> eBay app. Let's just see what comes up. God's Eye. It's gonna be like a bunch of art. In wait, hold on. God's Eye in handcrafted and finished pieces. There's yeah. a bunch of books. Oh, okay, yeah. Like it is. It looks like there's like a kind of a native, like a kind of look like a dream. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. I mean, I remember those from when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I can see it. Yeah. yeah, like those. That's the kind of God's eye Ramsey should have entrusted this dude with, because that's about his <laughs> his level of expertise. Uh, <laughs> but but so so uh, it gets sold uh, to uh, this is the uh, 
sultan or a government official or something like that. Yeah, something. I don't know. It's a shrink, maybe. Yeah, like a high-ranking Abu Prince, Dhabi citizen. Yeah. Prince something. Yeah. Uh, and he's having a party at at his uh, estate. Uh, it's a it's a birthday party for his daughter, I believe. Possibly, possibly, maybe sense. his girlfriend. Who knows? Yeah, some woman. It's, it's very unclear. Uh, no, so no, no, no. It's not that. It's not that because that's what they're. He pretends he pulls the birthday thing, but it is a party to celebrate the longest day of the year. Ah, okay, yeah, okay. So they was not very briefly. Roland just does the birthday thing. It is a party to celebrate the longest day of the year. Ah, so there's there was some actual cultural uh, research done here. I guess I wanna, so. I want to be this rich that I can just throw full bangers for like yeah. nonsense holidays. Well, that's what Roman says. He's like they party like this yeah. all the time. That's what I mean. Like I thought that it was it was like a birthday party or something, but no. Yeah, like, well, that, like that's because we were blinded by Roman being the ignorant American. Yes, this, this just turns it into a birthday party, despite whatever the actual culture is. And so, yeah, everybody on the team's got a job, even though Tej is kind of redundant now because we've got Ramsey, who is arguably not even arguably like she's better. She's the better hacker. Yeah, she's, she's the better hacker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like Tej is just kind of Ramsey's assistant now, uh, which he's fine with. Uh, and and we have uh, Brian and Dom. They are tasked with getting god's eye out from under the car which dom conveniently lifts up yeah do the actual work we're all going to be distraction of some kind you need to do the actual thing that's impossible yes uh and so before we get to the theft let's get to the distraction because i feel like this is another crucial moment in fast and furious history one that may uh may involve roman pierce uh elevating over uh, an aquatic uh, predator doing what he does best shine bright yeah. <laughs> this this is what some have called Roman Pierce's jump in the shark moment, the birthday party, which is not actually a birthday party. Ugh. It's so good though. It's he's, so classic. He's, yeah, he's good in the so well. he's really good in the scene. Tyrese, yeah. I mean. And and you can see that like this is something that Tyrese could have done. Like if you were like I feel like he's just like they were like, Okay, we're just gonna give him a scene where he can do whatever he wants. And he was like, This is what I would do in this scene. And you're like, Yep, that's what you would do. It's probably stuff he's done around the set. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like some poor girl that was delivering the food, like he does something like this to her, and you're like, God damn it, Roman. Like just stop. Like, you didn't have to do no knees to knees like that. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, we've talked about that on our show. I think we probably talked about it here. Like, this is the movie with no knees to knees. So, like, I don't know where Tyrese ends and Roman begins, but it does feel like it's all kind of blurring together in this movie. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. Yeah. He's, he's like uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. He's like, I don't know who I am anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm the dude that's playing the dude disguised as another dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that's all going on, uh, in the main room, but we've also got, before we get back to the boys with the car, we've got Letty and we, I, we haven't talked enough about Michelle Rodriguez, this film, no. uh, cause Letty's back with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, she still doesn't have her memories though. No. Uh, and so, you know, she's, she's, she's got a sense that it feels like home, but she doesn't know yet. Uh, and so, we get Letty doing what Letty does best in this in this scene, and and, and that is a uh, kick ass. And and who is the ass that she's been selected to kick? The Somebody worst who should be 
the worst actor in the Fast and Furious history. Oh, like somebody who should be very familiar to our listeners, our audience. Uh, not only is she a UFC superstar, but she was a, a former WWE Women's Champion. Yes, of course, Rowdy Ronda Rousey is like, in this movie. Like, no, no disrespect to her because, like, watching her in her prime was some of the like most exciting athletic accomplishments I've ever seen anybody do. Like, it was breathtaking but seeing her in this movie say these parties bore me to death i'm like oh no like stick to what you're good at that's not this (laughs) it's not this it's not this no well even in wrestling like i think when if if you've seen any of ronda rousey's work in in terms of the wwe like she's really good at the physical stuff but when she's supposed to be portraying emotions and a lot of times during her run she was the baby face quote-unquote and it's like she is not somebody that inspires hope and goodwill like it i think she would have worked much better if she were the bad guy when she were in wrestling because that i feel like yeah. that's just ronda rousey like she's always got like that look on her face like like just just sour she's just salty all the time i think so too i remember yeah i remember watching her in some wrestling things and being like yeah i don't know about these <laughs> She, she made a, she made them a lot of money though, so that's she did she did yeah, one thing she is good at. Um, but I will say, and you guys have talked about this on the program before, uh, comparing Ronda to our previous uh, MMA immigrant uh, in in Fast Six, Gina Carano, Carano. yeah, uh, who is much 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 better in in her role in that film than Ronda is in this one. I would agree. It is unfortunate in real life yes. that Gina Carano has yes. canceled herself by being anti-trans and anti-vax and anti-mask and all all that sort of stuff, right? But yeah. like, if you're comparing performances alone and just acting portfolios, uh, you know, Gina Carano in Haywire, in other movies, in Fast and Furious Six, like she's great. Rhonda, not so much. But as far as I know, um, decent person. Yeah, so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that's what's going on with the ladies. Let's get back to the boys because they they are able to retrieve God's eye. Uh, I don't know how long Dom had to hold the car up without any like they didn't have any jacks or anything. No, no, nothing. Or did they, did they try a jack and it broke? No, no. Just Dom just full reached under the car <laughs> from the jump. That was his first reaction. Yeah, and then so uh, Brian retrieves God's eye, but the guys are lo- – it's, it's a lockdown. And so they they get in the car. Yeah. And this, this right here, like all of this other stuff, all this preamble at the party, it was fine, Joey. But 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 Joe, too, this is, this is my favorite – maybe my favorite scene in the movie. They drive a car through two – was it two buildings? Maybe three two buildings? buildings? Two buildings. No, three it's, buildings. Two jumps. Yes, three two buildings. jumps. Three buildings. Yeah. Yeah. They drive a car through three buildings, and it is ridiculous. And if if I hadn't seen 40 minutes earlier, Lucas Black aged 20 years and 20 seconds, <laughs> this would have been the most improbable thing in the movie to me. I remember this might have been – it's possible that this was the moment that turned me off from trailers because I remember seeing this on the Super Bowl commercial and mm. being like, oh, my God, I can't – like, this was after Paul had died and, like, being like, okay, I'm back in. Like, this is insane. And then, like, watching the movie and knowing what's coming, it's like, yeah, but, like, imagine if that was unknown. Imagine if that yeah. was a surprise, like, how much even more amazing it would be. 
But mm. I don't think there's any way you could know about this movie and have escaped that. I mean, it doesn't make it any less spectacular, but I think the element of surprise would have made it even more special. I was laughing this time as I was watching it because you saw the car jump between the building and the trailer. And to counter what you were just saying, to be like, oh, maybe it was a little spoiled for me. They were like, let's just run it back and <laughs> do it again. And I was like, that maybe wasn't the best way to handle that. But like, it it kind of works. Like, it, But it's like so strange that they're like, yeah, like you thought we just jumped through one building. We yeah. jumped through three buildings. And you're like, okay, yeah, that works. Yeah, I, th- I think, again, you know, you can't talk too much about this movie without eventually coming back to Paul Walker. Like, I feel like this might be like the last great action scene for Brian and Dom. Yeah. Cause we get action later in the movie, but this is like the two of them, like old times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, that's, that, that scene is, is just ridiculous. Uh, before we kind of get to the conclusion of the film, what what other action scenes really stood out for you? I know there's probably one in particular that you guys want to talk about. So let's let's talk about the action of Fast Seven real quick. I I think that because I was watching it for you and watching it to come here, that when the Rock like rips the the mm. Gatling gun off the 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 drone or, or the helicopter or whatever, and just yes. like. Is like I, I am the Calvary. I like, got thoughts about because there's there's a whole sequence from because we go yeah. from Daddy's got to go to work. Yeah, mm-hmm, where he like like ripping a Gatling gun off of, off of the of the uh, drone. I could like I could believe that. Yeah, but but flexing like not cutting, not tearing, not no. ripping, flexing a cast off of your arm. Yep, <laughs> yep. That's it's only Hobbs can do that. <laughs> It's so perfect. I know. And, like, those action scenes, when he, like, when they finally bring him back, you're like, oh, fuck, yes, that's what this movie was missing in the middle. Like, Mm. here we go. Perfect. It also leads to what I think is my favorite moment in this movie. So when Hobbs essentially rescues Letty and Ramsey, and he says, woman, I am the cavalry. And Letty says something like, of course you are. And then Ramsey says, who is that? And Letty says, that's Hobbs. And a look of relief comes over Ramsey's face, like mm. we are safe. Ramsey has not met Hobbs. No, nope. like I don't, We don't know. Like to Letty's mind, Hobbs is not in the picture. Hobbs is in a hospital, right? Like Hobbs is not yeah. coming to save the day. They're not talking about Hobbs. So why why does Ramsey look so relieved that? Ho- I mean, obviously the Rock is here. He's here to save the day. But like <laughs> she's like this savior that I have heard so much about is finally here. It's like, no, you don't know Hobbs. Mm. Like, why, why do you look? She Like, what she should say is, wait, who's Hobbs? Like, who was yeah. this guy? Like, that would work in the movie, too. That would be funny. Like, wait, who? And, like, that's, but she's like, oh, thankfully. But she's like, you don't know who he is. And I love how illogical that is. Like, in a movie full of things that don't <laughs> quite make sense, this is the thing that I cannot get over. Mm. Yeah, like that scene is so great, but like now that you mention it, yeah, like, like there's, there should be no recognition whatsoever from Ramsey. They're not even mentioning her, like, and you even try to think back, like, do you think that they mentioned Hobbs to Ramsey? And it's like, nope, nope. There's no reason that they'd be sitting nope. there being like, man, Hobbs was a great guy. And they're like, she's like, who's Hobbs? And she, they're like, it's this guy that was trying to arrest us all the time, yeah. but he's huge. Like at, and- at most, at most, somebody would have said like. Oh man, I wish Hobbs were here to fight us, fight with us, but he's in the hospital. Yeah. So exactly. it's like, yeah, even if she knows who he is, like he's not supposed to be here. I don't know, man. Very weird. 
I don't have an action scene I want to talk about. There is one element of this movie that I do want to talk about that we've not mentioned yet that Mm. we're going to get into more in the next two Fast and Furious movies. But we get Hobbs as father in this movie with the first of two different Samantha Hobbs, Samantha's Hobbs, because there's two different actresses playing Samantha. But that's right. That's right. We have kind of unexpectedly so where I wonder if that was like a little bit of a teaser for people like yourself, Nate, who are maybe going to see the movie for one Mr. Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, and not really being in the movie, but be like, oh, here's a little morsel about his character. Uh, Yeah. Okay. It's it's all because, again, like this is obviously not anywhere near as serious or real or as impactful as what happened with Paul Walker. But I wonder, again, how much the hercules thing played into rock's absence for a lot of this movie because it does feel like yeah we've got the brackets at the beginning and the end and we've got little things sprinkled in here and there uh with the daughter but you could i mean cool scene aside because i do think woman i am to calvary is one of the coolest scenes in the movie uh but you could kind of remove that and it's and it still would work as a movie you For sure, could, yeah. You could definitely remove Hobbs from the from this one, yeah, and, and it wouldn't it wouldn't affect much, right? So he kind, he kind of mirrors in a way when they all parachute out of the plane in cars onto the island, and Roman is scared to do it, and then Tej ejecto Cito cusses him out, right? <laughs> and then Roman saves the day. He comes and he's like, "I'm back, bitches," or whatever he says, right? Like that's essentially what Hobbs does here too. Like I'm mm. back, bitches. Like he just. You, you forget, like, you know in the back of your mind that, like, that trump card – sorry, didn't mean to say that word – that that <laughs> ace in the hole is there for you, but you kind of forget because you're so caught up in the moment. You're like, how are how are my guys going to get out of this? And then, like, daddy's got to go to work or Roman comes over that hill. It's like, oh, yeah, mm. yes, thank you. What what about you, Joe, too? Like, any action scenes other than, than that, that Hobbs moment that, that stood out for you? that's that's probably my favorite one i like that end one a lot um the you know like the whole garage part is kind Mm. of weird to me (laughs) like like they had to like break down a garage type situation like that's kind of strange (laughs) um but one part of an like an addendum to that that's not like an action scene but something that i really like and I, i tweeted about this today this is like one of my favorite scenes in a fast and the furious now just because we've seen them so many times mm-hmm. and it's it's when dom is 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 dead quote unquote mm-hmm. dead on the ground oh boy and this really feels like a scene that they were just like pretend Dom's dead and just kind of let them go. Like a lot of this movie feels like they let them go, right? We were just talking about Roman and the like, you know, pick your song. He does, mm-hmm. he does that. Um, and Dom's on the ground, and like if you watch it and ha- like, and Brian's like, like just breathe, just breathe, Dom. And like Letty's yelling, and he's like pushing Letty, and like. Yeah. They're yelling. It's just like it's so chaotic and like a <laughs> rock is just standing there like I'm not getting involved in this. Yeah. Like you have these people there that like should be worried, but the only two people are worried are Dom and Letty. And like even yeah, it's like it's just so strange. And I'm like, why why did they let them do this? And like could they have not have shot this again with like some more direction? But yeah, that's that's one of my favorite scenes in a Fast and the Furious movie. And like, cause there's like some things like uh our friend pointed out one a guest on our show pointed out like the, when Dom's like talking in what five I think and he's like I remember everything about my father and we're like <laughs> why did he say father 
not like father and why did they not reshoot that and this is like one of those scenes to me too i'm like what the fuck happened here and they just were like okay run with I mean, it what happened here was that paul died like they might not have i don't know you you check the dailies and like maybe you're like we'll fix it later i don't know i don't uh, know that makes sense that makes a lot of sense this one I, think is more I still don't think like it's not good but I think that there are definitely worse, worse line readings and other things. And, you know, especially as we go through the deleted scenes, I mean, that's a little bit different, but like seeing even worse line deliveries and stuff. But like yeah. this one, I think any any weird stuff with Paul, I think mm. in this one, you're just like, you, you know, you kind of chalk it up to that. That makes yeah. sense. And it's still a beautiful scene. And I really like just the way that it's just messy. Oh, yeah. Well, so, so speaking of, let's get to this conclusion. You already touched on it, Joe. Uh, like we, we've game of, uh, of, I guess, football, uh, uh, hot potato yeah, with Ramsey, yeah. where, where the Mosey and the crew are trying to destroy God's eye. Or they, actually, they're trying to destroy Ramsey so they can retrieve God's eye. And the family are hot potatoing her through different cars and evading. Missiles coming from a helicopter, which I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's possible, but hey, like we're already to this point in the movie, let's go with it. Like if you're in, you're in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so it all comes down to everybody kind of gets taken out, and it all comes down to, as you said, Letty uh, transporting Ramsey, and uh, they're they're in a bad situation. Who's going to save them? Woman, I am the cavalry. Yes. Hobbs is back. Hobbs comes in and then wreck shop. And I think he, oh, oh, the the line is uh, he goes up and he uh, puts two in the drone. And the guy's like, I think he just double tapped our drone, sir. (laughs) Yes. Double tapped the drone. Double tapped our drone. Uh, And then, because I think that's, those are the only lines that uh, Jamin Hansu gets in this movie, which is a shame. It's like, he's, he's always inquisitive, Joe. Like, he's like, who is that? What's going on? <laughs> what is happening? Like yeah, he's the Ellen Page in Inception, right? It's like Elliot Page in Inception, where it's just like I don't understand anything that's happening in this movie. Like, can can someone please ask like very basic questions? Hobbs <laughs> or doesn't ask who's Hobbs, but like every other question, just like yeah, right. Like it just mows you, just like wait, who, what? Like he's asking the journalist questions. Like I appreciate. It. I <laughs> <laughs> somebody's got to get to the bottom of the script uh but that's like all of this like the, again the, the moisey stuff is just kind of it's just kind of the, the backdrop because the main event is shaw versus toretto yeah uh it's it's a no holds barred match all weapons are legal uh as long as those weapons are like wrenches and lead pipes uh, yeah. and then they they uh, do battle. What did you guys think of the, our main event? You know, this is a, a show on a wrestling network, so in wrestling terms, like, we've been building up this whole show to the main event. Uh, Joey, what did you think about our, our featured match tonight? I mean, I love that it's a game of chicken where neither backs down, but you know the thing about a street fight, right? The street mm. all wins. Like, you know, they're going at it, but <laughs> just like how in the cage match, the cage is kind of a character. Like, you have the street as a character, too, and Dom knows where to stomp. Like, he is using... <laughs> here's the stomp thing is so here, good. Here's a very interesting thing that I never really thought about when watching this before. But they talk about how a war... Hold on, I wrote them the exact line. Where they say, 
a war is coming. We want to face it on the streets we know best. They're like, we're going to go back to L.A. Mm. We're going to make Deckard face us at home, right? Cool. Makes sense. I get it. Home field advantage. What they're also saying is that mayhem and destruction and chaos is coming. Let's go to the place where everybody we love lives, (laughs) our own city. And so that's not great. But I do love the idea that Dom is so familiar with Los Angeles that he knows where to stomp on a mm. crumbling parking garage to yep. like make it crumble. <laughs> so I was going to say, is this another level of power that Dominic Sirota has uh, unleashed? Like, uh, has he now gained the power to manipulate the ground? I don't think it's that. I think it's an intimate knowledge, like Joey's saying, that he's like so tied to the streets of LA it's the infrastructure of LA yeah it like runs it's more of like it's more of like fucking um Mr. Nobody in Guardians of the Galaxy like he <laughs> is LA like to the core and it, mm. it evolves around him so that's why that's why he had to bring the fight back to LA because that's where he gains his most strength yes yeah when he's <laughs> But if if you take him out to if you take him out to Sacramento, he's toast. Yeah, exactly. Once he once he crosses the what like the one hundred and five or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Once you get off the four hundred and five, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So uh, he he uh defeats Shaw, and we get uh we get another again. Dominic Toretto is just beating everybody's adversaries because not only does he beat Shaw. But he is able somehow, Joey, to drive a car off of a roof high enough that it passes a helicopter oh mm-hmm. and close enough that he can latch a satchel of hand grenades onto the helicopter. The but foot of it. Like, yeah. Yes. But wait, there's more, folks, because once the satchel of grenades is affixed to the helicopter, our man Rock, Lucas Rebecca Hobbs, sure. double taps the bag of grenades from the street level. Yeah. Shoots shoots the bag of grenades with a pistol and destroys the entire uh, Jaconde operation, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, we know in real life that Vin and Dwayne don't get along. I'm still hoping... It's a theatric wrestling experience where it's all meant to add to the the allure of the behind-the-scenes drama. But it feels like as this team continues to shape and morph, it's kind of like what the Brooklyn Nets are going through right now. We're like, you got three superstars, right? You're like, we're trying to figure out how to work together. They drop their first game. We're like, who handles the ball? Whatever, right? But this is like the greatest alley-oop in the yes. history of the Fast and Furious yeah. where – Dom does this incredible thing where he, like you said, drives a car off a roof high enough to be near a helicopter <laughs> to lace, like to, you know, to get the bag full of grenades on the foot of the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And then for Lucas Rebecca Hobbs, the aforementioned, the titular Rocky Maivia picture show, for him to see that and be like, I know what to do now. And then to have the marksman abilities to shoot the grenade bag and blow up the helicopter. With a pistol. Like not even like, he doesn't have a scope or anything. He's just like, this is like, this is a half court alley with with precision. And his arm is still probably got to be in immense pain. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
And maybe he's loopy on drugs too. Like there's probably something enough <laughs> serious pain. Who knows? You're right. He definitely was munching. He's missing he's the sponge bath. Like he's a little grumpy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is one hell of a tag team finisher. Just <laughs> how can those two not get along, man? Like, how can you have a scene like this and then be like, fuck that? That's, I'm telling you, that's going to be the big moment in 10. We're going to have the, the proper handshake, the respect angle. Yeah, it's going to be like, instead of the, like, undertow of, like, Paul Walker dying, it, like, the whole movie's going to be shot with them not together again. Mm. And then, like, at the very end, they're going to have, like, a scene together be like, you know what? You're pretty cool. And you're going to be like, yeah, you're pretty cool, too. And then that's it. It, it just kind of ends like that. And it'll be, be just the, the the manliest, most aggressive, respectful handshake ever. Perfect. Yes. That's all I can dream for. <laughs> Perfect. It just zoom in close up on the muscles and fade to black. Credits. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you mentioned earlier, uh, Joe, that uh, the, the kind of end point of all of this is uh, – Dom is unconscious after the car because of gravity crashes back to the ground. Yeah. Uh, Dom's unconscious. Uh, everybody's trying to help, or I guess just Brian is trying to help. Letty gets Brian off of him and administers no, she's like, I know what to do. And administers no CPR whatsoever. No. And just cries on Dom. <laughs> and her tears, her tears somehow, Joey, bring Dominic Toretto back to life. <sighs> So well, earlier in the movie, they mentioned Dom and Letty being, and they're like, well, it's when, when Ramsey is like alpha, Mrs. Alpha, Joker, no, double alpha, right? And she says, yeah. you know, oh, you got it wrong, though. They're not married. Spoiler, they are. And I think, you know, it's not mm. just the tears. It's the memory. It's the family. It's the connections, the bond. And she's not ready to die yet. She brings him back with her willpower. Yeah, they're intimately connected. She just like wills him back to life. So it yeah. works for me. I'll take it. I like that's I, I yeah. I'm I'm like okay with the revival part. It was just the <laughs> the act of the reviving part that got me. Well here's the thing, like again, like if you're if you're watching to this point in the movie, like you're already in. So Yeah, exactly. What's one more log on the insane fire? Uh and so yeah, she Letty regains her memory. She's I remember everything and, and Dom I think Dominic Toretto is is Low-key a very sensitive man. I don't think people give him enough credit for being sensitive, Joe, because uh, I think Letty says something to the effect of, you know, why didn't you tell me we were married? And he's like, because you can't tell somebody that they love you. Which is true. Which is true. Yes, she's the like, poet, poet laureate Dominic Toretto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he makes a point, though. You know, I like we, it. We, we've talked about on our show – in six where he like walks her through her scars and how that's mm-hmm. oh it's 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 cute and we were like oh this is such a great scene and then we were told like that's kind of like taking ownership of a woman's body we're like oh right that's probably not great but there is that little bit where it's like you gotta come to this on your own and i think you know i think he would hang it like whatever letty says goes like go back to the first movie right where she's like we're gonna go upstairs you're gonna give me a massage it's like whatever she says goes and if she mm-hmm. says we gotta hang it up they got to hang it up. Like, I don't think, I don't think there's anything that could bring him out of retirement other than like, you know, maybe if he has another love child somewhere, right? Like if there's more <laughs> family, like if Elena's like, Hey, I'm back from the dead and there's another baby in me. It's like, Oh, okay. Maybe we got to go back or this one. But like, you know, Dom cares about Letty above all else. So that sensitivity yeah. is, it's true. Yeah. Uh, it so feels I, real. 
Yeah. yeah that, well, that's the thing. Like, I feel like as much as, uh, as we've had uh, fun kind of uh, talking about this scene, like there is a genuine connection that is earned because it's been built up since day one. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go se- seven movies with these guys and be like, oh, yeah, I don't expect this to happen. Right. Like it's there. Yeah. Uh, so that like uh, we, we get Letty and Dom reunited. Uh, Rock, we end up with uh, Hobbs taking Shaw to uh, the top secret high security prison. Black Black right. Yeah, man. With the bar, he he. Yes. Okay. What is this bar between his handcuffs? By the way, this is like the first time I noticed this. Is it because his like? I would imagine that like maybe the Rock needs one just because his chest is so big, right? (laughs) That like that like if you put his wrist together in front of him, he'd be like, I can't hold my arms that way; they're too big. But like Jason Statham, is that what they're trying to signify there too? Like, why does he get some like arm play in his hands? It's weird. I saw that. I, I I read that, and again, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a law enforcement uh, expert. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it offers more resistance uh, as opposed to just his arms being chained but free. Interesting. Like there's less movement. I guess he can make with that bar in between them. Oh yeah, because I guess you can't like put your hands together. Like you can't like clasp them. Yeah. Okay, so like that that makes sense. I get it. Okay. But yeah, like that. So he gets in uh, locked up in this. Super Max, Super Duper Max prison, uh, and he says, uh, "This this prison ain't gonna hold me, mate." That's exactly how he sounds. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, then uh, Hobbs with a with a truly badass line of uh, what what does he say? We're under what's the number? Like thirty inches, th- maybe more. I feel like it was thirty. Yeah. All I, the only line that I know for sure is "You best get to digging, boy." That's yep. the only line that I know for sure. Yep. Yeah. Like you're under 30, 30 inches of reinforced steel and concrete, uh, and all you got is a spoon. So you better get to digging, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Once you dig through thirty feet of concrete and steel, my fist and a body bag will be waiting for you mm, on the other side. Yes. So thirty feet. Just you get to digging. Boy, thirty Woo. feet of thirty feet. Now. Yes. Damn. Oh man. Yeah. And then yeah. And then like that. That's great. And then, and that sets up. Uh, that sets up what will be known as America's favorite buddy comedy duo, Hobbs and Shaw. It does. It does. It feels we'll, weird. We'll check in with. We'll check in with these two jokers in the next film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But now we get to the real, the real ending of the movie, and uh, like the the. Part of the story that I think most people remember, like even if you've only seen five minutes of Fast and Furious Seven, these are the five minutes you've probably seen. And I think it's actually used in the Wiz Khalifa music video too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's this. So yeah. you've seen this before. Yeah. So the the family, uh, including Ramsey, uh, is is on a tropical beach, and uh, Brian and Mia and their son Jack are playing out in the in the water, uh, and then everybody else, the rest of the family, are just kind of. Sitting down, you got Tej and Roman, you know, doing their Tej and Roman thing, both hitting on Ramsey, uh, which will not be the last time that happens in one of these movies. No. Uh, you've got Dom and Letty talking, and then uh, everybody just kind of, as, as you said earlier, Joey, like there's a moment where we go from the family kind of relaxing, doing the family thing to, oh, yeah, this is a big deal. This is a big moment right here. The movie ends in a way where it's like, and we talked about each of them. It's like it's like deep sadness where we think deep character sadness where we think that Dom Toretto has died. We find out the emotional core that they have been married, that there's love there, whatever, right? It's like this 
emotional moment. And then we go to the prison and it's like, yuck, yuck, laugh, laugh. We're going to see more of these guys. And then it's like, okay, cool. We're done. And it's like, wait a minute. We got to resolve the actual elephant in the room. Mm. And it is, uh, I, 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 it's done in a way that feels tactful and classy. And like, I don't know, maybe it's a little corny, maybe it's a little on the nose, but like, it feels so earned in this world and it feels so pure to the character and to like their relationship with the actor that, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I can't imagine a way to do this better than they did it. Yep, I agree. Yeah, like, I think, again, I said it earlier. Like, I feel like this is the only part of the movie where we go from watching Brian on the screen to watching Paul, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Where, like, through the whole movie, we've been watching Brian. Uh, Brian, and, and now it's Paul Walker up there. And when we get, like you said, Tyrese's, what is most likely his, like, his genuine reaction to the emotion that he felt. Uh, at the time, and then uh, just ludicrous, just telling them, "Hey, like, shut up, man, for one moment, and see what's right in front of you." And then they see, you know, Brian, you know, playing with his wife and his child, and uh, who is is it, Letty? That's like things are going to be different now. Yeah, I think I think it's Letty that says it. No, Roman Roman says it. Oh yeah, that is Roman. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Roman Pierce has mm-hmm. an actual serious, heartfelt moment. Uh, and things are going to be different now. And uh, this, here's, here's the part that, again, like if you were going to nitpick, and I, I think this scene is almost nitpick proof just because of the real emotion behind it. But my one nitpick would be uh, just Dom just leaving. Like how how did you know he was going to, like, how did you know Brian was going to leave too, sir? And if Brian left, maybe he was going the opposite direction to go pick up groceries or something. Yeah. <laughs> Like, they just know each other, man. They're brothers. You're, you're taking a big leap of faith here, Dom. Yeah, that he just go. He like he, maybe he just like smelt the tires or something. <laughs> I almost wonder if this is the like stereotypically masculine. I don't want to let them see me cry, so I'm just gonna leave, right? And so that's he just drives off. I yeah, think, I think that's it the, for sure. The bigger mystery though is how does Brian? Maybe there's only one road out of there. Maybe like maybe the ocean. Maybe this like private secluded mm. beach is the end of like a one way road that like Do you. Do you mean to say that all roads lead home? Oh, oh. yes, truly. <laughs> Different movie, but also yes. Okay, perfect. But yeah, like so we we get again. Like uh, this is where the movie turns into a full-on Paul Walker tribute, and I have zero problems with it uh, because we get the voiceover from Vin Diesel, uh, mm-hmm. and he's talking about uh, how Brian was his, uh, Dom talking about how Brian was his brother, uh, which effectively could just be Vin talking about paul walker yes that's what it seems like yeah uh, and they show like all the clips from all the previous fast and furious movies all the o'connor and toretto hijinks that that ensued and then we get uh paul walker see again like this feels like paul walker and, yes and, and a lot of it is just because of the way like it looks on camera where brian pulls up right next to dom and uh like the first time you saw that, how, how did that hit you? How did that hit you guys? I think we, I was with the, th- I was in the theater with my friends and I think that we all kind of like broke down a little bit and we all were like, okay, we're going to sit through the credits to regroup ourselves and not look at each other all like mm. sh- strung out. <laughs> Cause like, it was like, you know, four of us lined up. We're like, yeah, nobody turn. We'll just get through this on our own. And then we'll, <laughs> we'll come back to it afterwards. Like, mm. But yeah, that that got me. 
I mean, it's tough, man, right? Like, I think my, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't remember exactly, but I think I had more, more of an emotional reaction, like, when he died and, like, trying to watch Six again, like, in the Mm -hmm. direct effort. Like, I think by that point, I kind of, like, you know, had them, but, like, even still now, like, hearing the first keys on the piano were, like. Yeah, the music really does sell it. Man, like even like it's we might have talked about it on here for sure in our show, but like hearing that song in the wild is like unfair. Like when you're like at like Coles shopping yeah, around, like yeah. that comes on, it's like you can't play this here. Like we're like we're, we're grown men. Like we can't like we can't be crying shopping for like you know polo show. You know what I mean? Just like yeah, yeah. Reserve where you play that song. I get that it propelled a billion and a half dollar movie, but like come on, guys, let's keep Wiz like. You know, <laughs> great song, but like, it, if 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 you have a time, this time in a franchise. Yeah, like that song is officially. That's how crazy it is. Like a, a collaboration between uh, Charlie Puth and Wiz Khalifa has now become something that is actually songs that are played at memorial services and funerals, and as tributes to lost ones, like Kobe Bryant last year at Staples yeah. Center. Uh, you You're know, right. they perform the song live. And so it's like this song that any, because we've heard a lot of songs on the Fast and Furious soundtracks that are good songs, but they're just, they're, they're just, they are what they are. They, like Joe Budden's Pump It Up. We know what you are. I uh, 15 you, times we hear it in that movie. Yeah. Yes. You got a specific lane, but nobody's playing Joe Budden at, at, at a big, you know, uh, emotional function. No. Uh, at least I don't think. But, no. but this song right here, like it has, so much weight and a lot of that is because of the emotion that this movie had with Paul Walker. So yeah, like when when they do like the one two punch of the music coming in, but also like this the last scene is just edited so well, I think, with the old clips. To yeah, the, the music. The montages are great. I really yeah. like that too. Yeah. It, it that yeah. was strictly like to help fans get through it. Like as much as it, like you know, we see like the scene on the beach that helps the actors get through it, but like the the montage at the end to help like us just be like, okay, that part's over. Was yeah, it's rough. It's rough to watch, but it, like, it, I, I think in a specific way to that point, Joe, it's like, hey, like he's not really gone. Like there are seven movies that you can watch right. and like revisit and like Paul still lives on, right? Like it's corny dom said or not dom vin has said that this is for paul eight is from paul a sentence that i'm still trying to parse what he actually means because i do not understand (laughs) whatsoever but like you know you look back and you're like all these moments that you shared and like even if this is the first time but like there's so much of him and like that's kind of what's great about you know public figures like kobe's gone but like you can still watch highlights of his 81 point game on youtube like you just you can still see them yeah and so it's tough and it's awful that when people die but you know, we have these movies with Paul. Like, you can go watch them. So I think that's, whether that's intentional or not, the movie's saying, like, there's there's stuff for you here that you can go back and watch this. Yeah, and then as, as you alluded to, like, the last scene of the movie is, you know, Vin and Brian driving off in opposite directions. We follow Brian's car, and then we pan up, and for Paul is in the clouds. And, uh, yeah, and that's, like, I feel like, again, not not to harp on a point, but this movie very easily could have turned into a Paul Walker tribute. And to your earlier point, Joe, I don't feel like anybody would have had a complaint about it. But no. in the world of these Fast and Furious movies, I think that would have been a bit jarring. And so I think this was like the best, most skillful way to have handled it, where we get 90% of a wild, crazy, ridiculous Fast and Furious movie, and then we spend the last 10% of the movie 
remembering this guy that meant so much to the franchise. Yep. Yeah. So that was that was Fast and Furious Seven, guys. I told you it was gonna be it was gonna be a happy happy show this week. This is how we're gonna start off a new year. Uh, so before we get to our scores, gentlemen, any final thoughts on Fast and Furious Seven, and you know maybe in a larger context because you guys have watched all the movies many 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 times. Uh, what does this movie ultimately mean for you guys in terms of the Fast Saga? The more I watch this movie, the more I have distanced from the Paul Walker Memorial aspect of the movie, mm. which is beautiful and perfect. And then as I keep watching it, I find small problems with the movie, things such as I wish there was more rock in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like I think that that would make the movie better and – us trying to figure out like how much of this was intentional, how much of this was a rewrite that I think that the movie kind of suffers in some ways story-wise, although that it's still fun and goofy it in the grand scheme of the fast and furious movies. I'm like, I don't know if we place it so highly because of the emotional attachment we have to it or Mm. because it's a good movie. So we're still kind of like working through that is what I'm, I'm thinking. Um, I still love it, but like, as I as I watch it more and kind of be like, okay, I get what they're doing, I I start to like play around with where it is in my rankings. I think that this movie is the is a movie about this franchise in transition, mm-hmm. and I think when I saw it, the next movie, Fate, was my least favorite of the bunch because I mm-hmm. thought that it was just a real mess of a movie, and I didn't know what it was, and I didn't like again, sort of vague spoilers, but like Dom against the family, I'm like this doesn't feel. But knowing where they're going in nine, mm-hmm. and I think looking back to seven and realizing the amount of work and backtracking and like rejiggering of the franchise that they had to do to get from whatever, like, I don't know if when they wrote this movie, they had an end goal in mind, but I can imagine that after Paul dies, they have an end goal. They're like, we can't do this forever. Like, yeah. you know, life, like it, literally like life is finite, you know, anything could happen at any point. Like, let's, com- let's conclude a story on our terms as mm-hmm. opposed to like you know ending in some other way, and so I think this movie uh, forces their hand in a way to pivot towards something where it's like this is we're we're the be- it's the beginning of the end now. We're bringing in some of the bigger bads. We're bringing in Shaw. We're setting up Cipher. We're doing this. We're doing that. Whatever. And I think because Paul died, I think it's putting us toward you know this end game. And I think that because of the events beyond their control that happened while making this movie specifically about Paul. Like I think that this dictates seven or it dictates eight, nine, 10, 11 or 10, 10, one and 10, two or whatever they're going to call it. Right. Like this, I think hits the Nas, mm. if you will, on like how to get to the end, because I think they had to reevaluate what they were going to do. Like maybe they thought they were bulletproof. I mean, the characters kept getting more and more super powered and, yeah, I don't know, but I think this is a movie, a movie in transition, and like really a a different way to think about the franchise as a whole and like these characters and their relationships. Yeah, I I like this movie a lot. I don't I don't love it though, and I think like this movie is one that's a weird one to rank for me in terms of you know going on your show and talking about my you know listing of yeah. where I'd place each of the movies like. I've had it as high as two and I've had it as low as five. 
just kind of working through my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and, and ultimately, I think more times than not, I end up with it around three or four. Uh, because I do think it's a it's a really good movie. It's it's fun, uh, if if not entirely cogent <laughs> and coherent. Uh, but but there are some fun moments. There's some good stuff in this movie. Some some nice stunts. Uh, and then we get that beautiful tribute, you know, in the last ten minutes. Uh, so I think there's a lot of things that do work for this movie. Uh, but I don't know, like if divorced from the real life death of Paul Walker would people and when i say people i'm including myself in that group would we hold this movie to such high esteem yep that's my point uh so uh let's go from that question that we might not ever have an answer for to a question we have to have an answer for because if not what the hell did we just spend the last 90 minutes doing here fellas what are we going to rate this movie and for listeners of the show that uh, are new this this month, we we appreciate you. We we rank movies here on a scale of one to five. Uh, with a five, if a movie is a five, it, it it's perfect. It's Im- unimpeachable, unlike some other things in this world that are completely <laughs> and totally impeachable. Uh, Two times we, over. We see you, Ellen. Uh, is. If the movie is a five, that's a that's a we just went one on one with the great one. That's a five out of five. And to this point, I think there's only been one movie that's been a unanimous five out of five, and that is Fast and Furious Five. Yeah, I mean, stare in the title. How can you not? So that is that, to this point in in the Rocky Mountain View Picture Show. There's only been one one on one with the great one across the board. If a movie is really good, if it's solid, but there are one or two nitpicks that kind of hold it back from being truly great. That's a four out of five. That's a people's champ. If a movie's okay, if it's not great, but it's also not terrible, if it knows its role, if it knows what it's here to do, like I said, that's a three out of five. That's a know your role. Now, if a movie is bad, but Dwayne is good in it, or if Dwayne's performance isn't the best, but the movie around him, it's okay. That's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint. But (laughs) fellas. If a movie is terrible, if a movie is irredeemable, if a movie has no enjoyment or entertainment value whatsoever, if a movie is doomed, that's a one out of five. That's a rock bottom. So on that scale, one to five, Joe, two, you can go first. Where would you rank 2015's Fast and Furious 7? Um, I think because... I always look at this here with you through the lens of the rock and because he is great in this movie, but I think that it needs a lot more of him because it only, he's only bookending it. I have to give it a three out of five. Know your role. Mm. That I think that the movie itself is good, but for me watching it for the rock this time, I'm like, I want more. Not that he's not good in it and not more that I want out of him. I just want more of him in this. Hmm. Interesting. Like I, I, I had a feeling you weren't going to go five, but I didn't know you were going to go three. So that's, that's a very interesting grade. Uh, Joey, what you got? So I'm going to be uh, a diva here and I'm going to give you three scores and eventually I think I'm going to wind back down to one. So I think, okay. I think if you come to this movie as a movie to see the rock, Mm-hmm. I would agree with Joe. I think it's a know your role. I think he's yep. not in 
He's not in like none of it, but he's not in a lot of it. He's in the beginning. He's yeah. in the end. You can go have an extended bathroom break in the middle, not miss any of Dwayne, The Rock, Rock Johnson, right? So I think if you're coming to this for him specifically, explicitly, know your role. I think as a movie overall, this is somewhere in the middle of my Fast and Furious ratings. It's, it's trending down. It's Ooh, it's coming down in the ratings. But I think overall, I would still grade it, you know, to the world, to the public on Letterboxd, everything is a five star. Like all the Fast because like it's not. Like this is the 10th time that I've logged it, probably the 12th time I've seen it, right? Like I've seen this movie a whole lot of times. Yeah. I still think if I'm being objective, it's more in that people's champ. It's a four out of five. It's like it's a I really good agree. movie. Yeah. There's some issues. Yeah. But what I'm going to say is if we're going pound for pound, if we're going what amount of rock do we get per minute on screen, this is a one-on-one with a great like, – there is so oh, much good stuff here yeah. Yeah. that when he's on screen, this might be the best the rock's ever been. Like it's mm. it's just – it's the flexing the cast. Yep. Yep. It's the stamping. Mm-hmm. It's the sweating. It's the marksmanship. All of that. I am the cavalry. Well, well, I am the cavalry. Uh, the great line at the end that we just quoted – 30, 30 feet of concrete and steel. Get a spoon. But I think oh. overall, with all that in mind, you know, I'm going to go People's Champ. It, it's it's got a little bit of a nebulous up and down, but I think mm. you don't have a lot of the rock, but what you have is great. And yep. a lot of the other stuff around it is great. There's some issues with it, of course. But I think overall, I think a four out of five is a comfortable place for this. And while it is trending down, and the next one we're going to join you for is trending up in my rankings, like... I think this is a pretty solid Fast and Furious movie, especially given all the difficulties, all the adversity True. they had to overcome while making it. Yeah, definitely. So uh, that was a see. You weave those three paths together much better than this film did with its villains. <laughs> I have a journalism degree, Nate. I try. I try. So uh, yeah. So uh, Joe went with the three out of five people's champ. Uh, excuse me, three out of five. Know your role. Uh, Joey went with a four out of five, the people's champ. And I'm, I'm along those same lines. I think, yeah, we don't get enough rock. And part of that is Hercules's fault. Uh, Hercules also, I think I gave Hercules a know your role. Uh, okay. it was more, it was more enjoyable than I thought it would be. Uh, uh, it's like, it's not great, but it's, it's actually a good rainy day kind of movie. Uh, but that movie robbed us of more rock content. Then again, like, I don't know. I don't know what happens if you add more rock to this movie because the middle of this movie already feels kind of bloated. That's true. Very, very good point. I agree with you. There's a lot of characters in this one. That's true. Because we've got like, if you put more rock in, does that mean we get less Mr. Nobody? Less Ramsey. We're just less adding Ram- her. Yeah. Less, yeah. We, we'll get even less uh, Jaiman Hansu than we already got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I would, li- I would have liked some more rock, but again, like this movie's kind of all over the place. Uh, but again, the, the 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 scenes we do get with Dwayne, he is peak Hobbs. Uh, I great. think, I think this might be my. Whew, it's it's tough because the when we when we met him in five, he was kind of a flat character, uh, mm-hmm. a well acted, a well performed flat character, but a flat character nonetheless. Uh, six, he's got a little bit more to do. Seven, he's got less to do, but I think he's better at it. And then when we get to Hobbs and Shaw, I really like that Hobbs. So I think he's on the path. He's on a journey here. We, we got a little mini character arc for Lucas Rebecca Hobbs. Uh, but overall, like, there's so much in this movie that is just random. Like, we, you know, I, we talked about uh, 
AARP member uh, Lucas Black in here. Yeah. <laughs> Collecting these checks. Uh, we, we talked about the underuse of, of the uh, Jaconde storyline. Uh, that's how bad the storyline is. I never get his name right. I've, I've said his name four different times, four different ways to show. Uh, we get like some real, just kind of wonky logic in some of the scenes, which yeah, none, like none of these movies are going to be compared to Citizen Kane, but I feel like even in five, like the internal logic of the movie was a little bit tighter yeah, yeah. than it is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that brings it down a little bit. But at the end of the day, I go back to what was one of the last things that Joey said. Like, they had such a difficult job uh-huh. with this movie, trying to balance all these elements and tack on a tribute. Not even tack on a tribute, but add a tribute uh, for Paul Walker. And I think they did about as well as anybody could do under those circumstances. Uh, so I will give this a four out of five. I'll give it a people's champ. And I'll also throw in a special first-time director's award uh, and say that uh, Fast and Furious 7 went one-on-one with the great one. Ooh, Ooh. very, very appropriate. I love that. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, so those are our thoughts on Fast and Furious 7. Like, I'm, I, and you, you can hear, ladies and gentlemen, throughout the conversation about this film, like we've mentioned 8, we've mentioned Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, yeah. We've mentioned 9, which isn't even out yet. So there's, there's, there, this won't be the last time you hear... Uh, Joe and 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 uh, Joey on this show. I mean, we're going separate ways in our cars right now, oh. but eventually the roads will merge back together, fellas. Uh, but but until that day, uh, let's let's leave the people with uh, a preview of what's to come before we come back on the other side with some plugs. Because next time in the theater, we're gonna go to uh, maybe a bit of a Hobbs and Shaw prequel, perhaps. What is it? Because we're gonna see. Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart starring in 2016's Central Intelligence. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never Look at him. Get it, Anything about that look normal to you? Let's wreck him. Here, here, man. Well, there's no coming back from that. My man! You better back up, man! Whoa, Calvin, it's me, Bob. Sorry, do I know you? Robbie Weirdick, from high school. God, man, look at you, you lost like 200 pounds! What did you do? I just did one thing. I need to know. I worked out six hours a day, every day, for the last 20 years straight. You should know one thing about me. I'm in the CIA. Are you joking with me right now? I got a plan. Might get us both killed, but if it works, it'll be a totally boss story. Cool? No. No, it's not cool. Cool. No, I said it's not cool. Three weeks ago, an enemy of the state stole the encryption keys to the entire U.S. spy satellite program. I need your super sweet accounting skills to help me figure out the last piece of this puzzle. You're like a chocolate Google. Boop, boop, okay, boop, but boop. don't do that. Stop it. Stop it. You were the coolest guy in school. You're my only friend, Calvin. You're the only one in this whole world that I trust. Now that you're in... I'm not in. I know, but they think you're in. But I'm not. Probably one of those perception versus reality things happening right now. I 
to be an international CIA spy. Because I don't like bullies. You were like Jason Bourne and George. Did you see that, Bob? I did the thing. I did the thing, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. You remember those backflips you used to do? Let's do the flip. Oh. That was so close. That, that was great. That was great. fun. Yeah. I like yeah. that one a lot. I I didn't think I was gonna like that movie, but I like it. Not to spoil the review, but I like it a lot. And the greatest use of in vogue's you're never gonna get it in the history of any movie. <laughs> yeah, like like I, I I really do kind of like the more I watch the movie, I really like it. And Rock has Rock's given a different a much he's playing a much different character than Lucas Rebecca Hobbs. Yes and no. <laughs> yeah, like I will. He's got the Hobbs physicality, but the personality is all over the place. And and I think that's oh, yeah. a it's it's an interesting role for Dwayne and and him and Kevin Hart have really they're good. Like, yeah, may, like maybe they're the, like they're the Martin Lewis of the modern day with all these damn movies they've done together. I love it. I love them together just, too. Just the buff black short Martin and Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I mentioned, fellas, we were going to let the listeners know where they can find your great program, uh, your program, should I say, because you got more than one thing going on. But uh, first off, let them know about Too Fast, Too Forever, which uh, I've been on a couple times, and, and uh, they can check me out on your show. But uh, where can the good people find that at? Well, we are into a new year, a new lap. We are lap eight, the eighth time through mm. the movies. We are every Tuesday working our way through the Tokyo Drift lap because anybody who has seen the F9 trailer has seen and probably understood that Tokyo Drift seems to play a very important role in some regard yeah. in the upcoming movie. So we are focusing specifically on movies that are made by Justin Lin, starring mm. actors from Tokyo Drift, movies set in Japan, movies that star Japanese leads or directed by Japanese people. So we are focusing specifically that on Tokyo Drift. Thing, not, not to cut you off, Joey, but that was another thing that was kind of weird about watching Seven. What's that? Because there's you've got emotion for the fictional character of Han, who at that point we don't know is alive. Yeah. yeah and you have, to re- you have to reconcile that with the real emotion of Paul Walker. Yeah. Yep. It's weird. It's very weird. They love so, death in this one, for sure. Yes. It is bizarre, but we are doing that. We're trying to make sense of Han here. I don't know. It's it's a whole thing, but that's our lap every Tuesday. I'm hoping be- you're devoting one episode entirely to Lucas Black's filmography. We are not, I don't think. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe that would be a- will there be a Lucas Black lap in the future? I don't think there will be. He only did like CSI New Orleans. Like just episodes of CSI New Orleans. Just spin yeah. off another podcast. Yeah. I mean, we are doing some Patreon-exclusive episodes at TooFast2Forever.com. we got a bonus one coming up soon on Super Bowl Sunday. We are going mm. to release an episode about Varsity Blues starring Paul oh, Walker, okay. the aforementioned Paul Walker. Maybe we'll do a whole spinoff podcast only on Patreon where it's just CSI New Orleans <laughs> to no one's enjoyment, not even ours. But uh, yeah, you I don't got know. One, one patron that wants that, and it's Lucas Black. Probably. <laughs> Probably. I will say, though, that in reference to you said we got other shows, we do have another one that we might be bringing back sooner or later. I don't know yet because he's got some stuff out that we have not covered yet. But you're going to be approaching in the near future 
another one of our darlings. It's not just the Fast and Furious, but we also have the podcast Zach Attack, yes. Zach Efron podcast. And before too long, you're going to be hitting the beach with Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Mr. Zach Efron. So yeah. I don't want to invite ourselves back if there's another person that you'd rather have on. By all means, we'd rather be on these. But if you need a Zach Efron expert, you know where to find two. We've mm. seen every Zac Efron movie. Oh, I got two of those. Even even, even the really, really early ones. <laughs> I'll bring you back if you can, if you can uh, book Kate Hudson. Okay, okay. Well, we can – I mean, I don't know that you're going to be happy with this Kate Hudson, <laughs> but uh, we can get Kate Hudson. <laughs> that is great. Again, where can, where can the folks find you on uh, social and, and uh, plug the uh, Patreon one more time? It's too fast too forever dot com at too fast too forever just about everywhere Twitter and Instagram and at Facebook dot com slash too fast too forever just type it in wherever you find podcasts we're there you know every Tuesday new episodes we've got one hundred and sixty episode one sixty two like I'll say again full baseball season coming out on Mm -hmm. Tuesday so we've got a whole bunch of episodes all available for free at anywhere you get podcasts. Oh yes, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Like every time the Joes are the Joes are in the theater, it's it's a good time. So I'm looking forward to the next time. And and I feel like our our conversations are getting more and more frequent. They Which are a good, in a good way. Yes, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe it'll be a month or two, but we'll we'll, we'll catch up with you guys down the road, and it'll, it'll be a long month without you, my friends. Oh, but we'll <laughs> tell you all about it. Yes. Only see you again. Only see Baywatch again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you want to f- hear more from me, you can check me out uh, on the Kings of Sport, uh, KingsOfSport dot com. Much like the Joes, we too have a Patreon that you can check out. Patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. Check it out for over 100 hours of content. We talk wrestling, sports, pop culture, uh, politics. we got a lot of political shows, particularly last year, uh, that are up on the feed. Some MCU reviews. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, before we get out of here, what do you guys think about WandaVision, if you checked it out yet? Oh, I haven't. I'm waiting for it to finish. I kind of want to watch it all mm. as one batch. So, um, but I've heard great things from all of our friends, so I'm I'm excited for it. Rachel is actually yes. itching to start it. I yeah. am loving it. Or have you watched it? What do you think of it, Nate? I've so I've seen the first two. I'm excited for spoiler alert. I mean, uh, full disclosure, we're recording this on a Thursday, so I'm I'm excited for tomorrow. Yeah, because the first episode it was okay, but it didn't grab me. That second episode, though, it it grabbed me, Joey. Ooh. And the way it ended, or are you talking about everything leading up to the end? Everything, well, everything leading up, and I think maybe it's because of, and not to get into spoilers, but it feels like each episode is going to take us not only through what's going on with Wanda and Vision, but through an era in television. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, going from Dick Van Dyke to Bewitch, like, Bewitch is my jam. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. And so... Like and and like it figured like Scarlet Witch basically as a fill in for Samantha like it it's it's so simple but it's genius. Like you you know at some point she's got to wiggle her nose right like she's yeah. got to like uh, assuming that Elizabeth Olsen can like it's got to happen. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like, CGI it right. Yeah, like and I, so yeah, I liked it. I liked a lot of what was going on with the with that. Like episode one was fine. I thought it was a good setup episode, but. Episode two was when I think it really kind of took off, and some, and it left us with a good hook for the. Third I think they did a really smart thing in putting the two out together because if you yeah. just had the one, I don't know that people would have necessarily like I would have because again, this is the first MCU since what at least since Endgame, maybe maybe Spider Man Far uh, From Spider-Man Home, Spider Man Far After. From Home, yeah, yeah. So, but like it's been a year and a half, right? 
So it's been a long time. Yeah. I mean, there should have been other things out, but pandemic and so on and so forth. But like, this is the triumphant return to the MCU. And it's just kind of good to see like, oh yeah, I love these characters. Yeah. This year is going to be crazy. Cause I, I was looking online the other day and I think on Disney plus, like there's maybe two months out of this year where we're not going to have new MCU. But other than that, it's all wall to wall. We go from a uh, WandaVision to, I think, Winter Soldier and the Falcon, Black Widow, like this. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's so much Marvel this year, and it's is, it's is what if this year maybe two, and like I think I there's think, like like the Eternals this year. I think there's like three or four movies. There's like yes, six in yes. the span of like 14 months. Like it's what crazy. If you're fair, Eternals is this year. I think is is Shang Chi this year. I don't remember. I don't think so, but I also don't remember what else is gonna. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot, though. I know there's a lot. There's so much Marvel. Like, so, like, if you like Marvel and Star Wars, you get your money's worth from Disney. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we talk about like, this all leads back to the Patreon. So take some of that Disney money and bring it over to the Kings of Sport Patreon, where you'll we, hear us talk about Marvel and Disney and DC from time to time. Uh, Patreon.com backslash Kings of Sport. If you want to check me out on Twitter, at in the number 8 moz. AIK at Nate Mosaic. I uh, want to send a shout out to John Pollock and Wei Ting, the proprietors of Post Wrestling, for all the work they do here. Uh, Austin James and Robert Pearson for uh, providing the graphic design for this this here program. Uh, Braden Harrington for the theme. And uh, as, as Jay Z said, uh, most importantly, thanks to you, the customer or the listener in, in this instance. Uh, so that, that's going to do it, fellas. Again, Joey and Joe too. Thank you brothers for coming by the theater. It's always a good time. Even when uh, we have to talk about uh, maybe a more heavier uh, yeah. discussion around the fast and furious. Man. Uh, thanks for having us. I love being here. I love talking to you just in general. So it's always a pleasure whenever you want us back. We'll be back. Yes, please. I love it. Thank you so much, Nate. Not a problem, fellas. And again, you can check the good brothers out over at Too Fast, Too Forever. Like, it's it's so good. Here's the thing, because I jumped in. I think I jumped in on lap two or three when I started listening to the show. So, you, like, you, you don't even have to start in sequential order. No. It, it helps. But, like, you can just jump in wherever. So, if a particular episode catches your interest, give them a listen. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Thank you, brother. Thank you. For better or worse, every episode is the same. Like, even the movies that aren't Fast and Furious, <laughs> it's the same thing. No, but it, there's so much fucking chaos, too. So, yeah. yeah. like I, So much chaos. I think you did one or two episodes with the uh, with the video game guy. I really like those. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a blast. Andy Tudor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, that was something different. So, yeah, check them out if you're into Fast and Furious or if you're a member of the Lucas Black Fan Club. Uh, <laughs> they they will have what you need. Uh, all of all of our senior citizens in the Lucas Black Fan Club, we see you. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I had to give them one last jab on the way out. It's, yeah. So, uh, that's going to do it for this month's edition of the Rocky Mountain Your Picture Show. Everybody, be safe. We'll see you next time for Joey Lewandowski, for Joe Two. For Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I am the Godfather Nate Milton. And remember, Nubian eyes are watching. See you next time, folks.
poontang your ass on out of here. No! Oh! I can't believe it! At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.